Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, late night, Wednesday, October 29th, 2014. How's it going, T-Bone? It is going. <laughs> Still not settled in the new studio, so yeah. we're, uh, we're working uh, from the satellite division here, man. We're still working on the soundproofing in the new studio. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Hey, we're looking forward to tonight. Got a big night ahead. Our uh, first guest is Lisa Dwoskin. Dwoskin. And uh, we'll be talking to her about her new book, Metamorphosize. And, uh, of course, we got T-Bone's Time Out, Brewski's, AD. Uh, we'll be calling him. We're talking to him, too. So That's right. Good times, man. Good times. How was your week? Oh, man. It's been a fun one. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Since since last week's or since last Wednesday's show, uh, you've had another show. Yeah. I was in no condition <laughs> to be on the radio <laughs> on Sunday. So, uh, let's see here. I... Did some did some gallivanting around town on a big red bus. Uh, I worked small amounts. I ran something vaguely resembling a 5K on Friday night. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Look at uh, you, man. And I was covered in glow sticks. It was fun. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's been at least as good a week as any other. Nice, nice, nice. Ah, you have more excitement than I've had, man. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't done nearly as much of the, the things you've done over the week, but uh, you know, I'm kind of busy, so it's been all good. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, man. Let's take our first break, come back, and uh, get ready for our guests. How's that sound to you, man? Sounds good. You are listening to Swoopstore on the Talkstar Radio Network, and we're going to listen to one here from James a Day. This is called Urban Fire. Back after this. In the urban style, see, there's too much blood covering the Used to the rebellion because 
Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, there's a sharp phone on the wall, and you're listening to Twirl. And welcome back to Swift Road on Talk Story Radio Network. And we'd like to welcome our guest today, Lisa Dwoskin, to the show. She's an author, and uh, she had a new book called Metamorphosize. She's been a longtime fitness expert, and she was also an expert on the Rick Sanchez show on NBC6, also a gym owner and a competitive bodybuilder. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Hi, how are you? Doing great. How are you tonight? Good, good. Getting ready to go to sleep over here in Miami, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Late night for you. Uh, well, we appreciate you staying up to chat with us. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where, where you grew up, and uh, were you always uh, into the fitness uh, thing growing up? Uh, did you know play sports or anything, or, or how that came along in your life? Okay, I was born and raised in South Florida, Miami, Florida. And I, in high school, I played sports. I was a cheerleader. And then in my first year of college, I just thought it was fun to teach aerobics. I got into fitness. Then I started studying psychology, and then I found exercise physiology very interesting. And the two together, the mind-body connection, really fascinated me. So I, I just really got into fitness. I became a fitness expert, a model. I competed in figure and different bodybuilding competition, started running um, marathons, and just really loved the way I, fitness made me feel. So 
So I opened my own gym 13 years ago, and I own a wellness center, a spa, and a salon. And I just found that so many people were trying to heal themselves by looking better and changing their bodies, and it just wasn't working for them. So I decided to add a mind-body-spirit connection, and in my wellness center, I really brought that out with the different programs that I would offer there and try to help people heal themselves from the inside and not so much from the outside. And when you say that, heal themselves from the inside, are you talking more uh, nutrition or, or is, it a, is it a mental thing? Or, um, can you be a little bit more specific on that for us? Yeah, definitely a mental thing. I feel that so many people in my industry and seeing I had about 2,000 members in my gym they're always so focused on looking better and getting to the perfect weight, and then they find that they'll be happy. And then I noticed that so many of them would get to the weight that they wanted, and they still didn't feel happy. So when I say inward feeling, um, the mind-body connection, meditating and, and learning how to truly love yourself and be at peace inside of yourself. And, yes, nutrition has something to do with that and a balance of living a healthier lifestyle. But the main thing is the mind and body connection and just very simply loving yourself more. You are exactly at the moment of time, which is now, not waiting to get to where you think you want to be. Yeah. What do you think causes uh, people to become obsessed with the... Uh you know, with the look, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, Taylor and I have both worked out a lot and been, and been in gyms and stuff like that. And you, you see the people who are really, they spend more, they spend a lot of time, uh, not just working out, but as, as far as, you know, they spend a lot of time in the mirrors. And I understand that sometimes, you, you know, you do that to see, to check your form and stuff like that. But sometimes you see the people that are really uh, obsessed with uh, each pound or every inch or every, you know, you know, all the vascularity and all this kind of stuff. And they're not competing. It's just a, a look that they think they need to have. What do you think causes that obsession? I think definitely it stems from deep and rooted insecurities and not loving themselves and not being happy with themselves. And then they think once they look great that they're, they will feel better on the inside. So they do become obsessed. And that, I go over that in my book because when I was a child in high school, I got made fun of a lot, like a lot of us do. We get bullied, and that affects our self-esteem and the way we feel about ourselves. So as I grew up and, and went to college and in my 20s, I, I made my body be the center of my attention. So I would be so focused, not in an unhealthy way where I became anorexic or bulimic, but I just was so obsessed with exercise and working out. And the better my body looked, the better I thought I was feeling. But in reality, I really wasn't. I, of course, you feel more secure when you're more attractive to the opposite sex or to the same sex. Some people are, or whatever, <laughs> attracted to other people. But um, definitely when, when you're really not feeling good about yourself. You want your body to look so perfect. That's why those people are looking in the mirror. And they, in reality, they're really not feeling better about themselves to the point where they're going to be happy within. 
Do you ever come across, I mean, you know, you have a client that says they want to get to a certain goal and, and you're explaining the, the things that you just stated here. You know, th their response could be something like, well, of course you say so. Look at, look at how you look. Um, it, how do you get someone who, or you, you have a client or, or the steps that you, you know, give an idea of kind of steps you take them through that is not healthy or not where they want to be. And it sounds like to me you're saying your first step is, is, is to kind of work on what you feel mentally uh, mm -hmm. as, you, as, you, as you walk towards that goal. How do you uh, get somebody to understand that? Okay, the first thing, well, definitely I've heard that many times. Oh, it's so easy for you. Look at you. Well, no, it's not easy for me either. I'm working on myself internally and externally every day by exercising, eating healthy, and working on my mind and spirit. So the first thing I tell them is we sit down and have a consultation and I'll ask them what their goals are, and of course they're going to say how many pounds they want to lose, but then I'll ask them why they haven't reached their goals, and that's when everything starts coming out, and I guess with my degree in psychology, it's easy for me to talk to people and pull information out of them. They feel comfortable, and then they'll start explaining why they haven't gotten to where they need to be, because whatever's holding them back from their childhood, from their divorce, a death in their family, whatever they're going through. So then I ask them to start journaling, which I feel is very important at night instead of just kicking back with a drink or food, watch TV, to spend 10 minutes and journal their feelings of why they want to get to where they want to get with their weight and what has been stopping them. And that, of course, brings out a lot. And then I also get them to start meditating, which I definitely want to talk to you about. Meditation is definitely... The key to inner happiness. Let's, uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, we're going to cover a lot here, and we'll definitely get to that. But let me, uh, let me ask you this, because you know, a lot of trainers uh, and 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 experts in the fitness industry, only time they ever tell you anything about uh, quote journaling is write down all, write down everything you put in your mouth <laughs> and write down all your workout right. sets and repetitions. Um, but you're actually saying. You know, uh, Getting, you're going a little bit deeper. You're talking about right about their their actual their feelings, right? Right, right. And nowadays the trainers are becoming more life coaches. You'll see that in a lot of the gyms and wellness centers, health clubs. It's more becoming like a lifestyle and a way of life. So the trainers are definitely focusing and, and understanding that because there's so much stress in our life with the finances, the economy society, everything that's going on today in our world is is definitely making the people more stressed out and, and not happy and filled with anxiety. So I find that trainers across the board are focusing a little bit on the mind, not as much as me and not as much as some of us, but they are definitely opening that path up to the mind-body connection. Yeah. Um you, you know, we talk about uh, obesity in our society and stuff like that. And then, and, and you, I'm sure you've seen these shows, um, such as you know, you know, Biggest Loser or um, the year, the one year transformation thing and stuff like that. Uh, when you look at mm -hmm. you, when you look at things like that, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I actually love Chris Powell. He does the Extreme Weight Loss Makeover. And I actually am training a man who's 500 pounds right now 
actually he just lost 100 pounds. He was 500 when he started with me. So what do I feel? I feel that I wish they would show a little more realistically what they have to go through. I think the biggest loser and extreme weight loss makeover, they, they kind of show that it's so easy in such a short amount of time. I think the extreme weight loss makeover kind of shows more over time. And and I, I love those shows, but I just wish that the people would understand it's not a quick fix and you don't need to be on a TV show with chefs and special people living at your house and around you 24 hours a day. Anybody can do it, but what the people need to understand is that it's not a quick fix. It's a way of life that you need to live now and forever. You can't just take pop a pill and the weight loss is going to come off. It's a, a, a way of transforming yourself, and that goes right back to not only transforming your physical self, but your mental self and your spiritual self as well. That is that you know. Sometimes we hear people say you kind of have to have to reboot. I mean, you have to kind of you know, like you're saying. You take a look at everything about you, not just your physical self, but your mental self, and kind of change those things that, that got, got you feeling certain ways and and reboot. Is that is that what you're talking about and that type of thing? Yeah, definitely. I think people set unrealistic goals, and people are always searching and hoping and thinking, okay, New Year's is coming up. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to lose 30 pounds in the first three months or six months. And then, of course, they set these unrealistic goals that they can't actually obtain. Instead of just looking at themselves in the mirror and being happy with what they see right now today, accepting themselves fully for who they are and thinking that they're enough, and yes, everyone wants to better themselves, and if they're overweight and need to lose weight, they need to do it in a slow way without pressuring themselves, without setting such unrealistic goals, and just be, being kind and loving to themselves and letting it happen in a slow progression, a way that they could actually obtain. What prompted you to, to write the book? Well, I personally went through many, many trials and tribulations of uh, a divorce, a, a death of my soulmate who died in my early 20s, heart problems, many surgeries, um, my business having a lot of financial turmoil when the whole economy turned. So just going through so many trials and tribulations and knowing that I used to always escape to exercise, and it made me feel great because it gave me the high. It was my drug of choice. Instead of drinking or prescription pills or recreational drugs, I would go running, go spinning, whatever I can do to relieve my stresses in life. And then I had a heart issue. I had heart surgery. I couldn't work out for a couple months. And that, I thought, would kind of change me, which it didn't. I went right back into it again. Then I, last year when I wrote the book, I had two other surgeries where my actual organs were collapsing, falling down from all the heavy weightlifting, which just became too much from all the competition. Mm -hmm. And when I was out for about... 16 weeks is when I really sat back and looked at myself and thought, wow, I can't escape to exercise. 
And I really had to look deep within my spirit and soul and mind to to change the things in life that weren't making me happy. And when I went through all of these changes, I it helped heal me to write it on paper. And I knew that if it could heal me, it could help heal others. So I wanted to get it out there and be a voice. Wow. Um, I understand that you, you say that there are five things people are doing wrong when they're trying to get in shape. Uh, what, what, what are some of those things, and what do you think the biggest problem is? Okay, so the biggest problem is people go right to a gym and join a gym when they're not even ready to join a gym. If they've been to a gym and they're very disciplined and they they have someone help them or they work out with them, that might work, but... What they someone needs to do first is, like what I said before, meditate. Get centered and, and figure out why they want to go and join the gym, why they want to get in shape. And it's very simple. You hit guided meditation on Google, and thousands and thousands of guided meditations will come up, from Oprah Winfrey, Deepak Chopra, to unknown names. Anyone could listen to it for 10 minutes and learn how to meditate, and I think that's the, the number one thing to do. And and then, of course, not to set unrealistic goals. And like I said before, to start journaling instead of going right to the gym and maybe start walking outside instead of joining the gym right away. And then also to try to just shut everything off and get to know themselves a little bit better and, again, set their goals and then join a gym. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, we, a lot of times we hear people talk about meditations and, and, and you say guided meditations. I've heard of different types of meditations. Um, you know, when, when somebody goes to, to – when somebody begins meditations and meditating, um, what, are, what, are they, what can they hope to get out of that, that first experience? Um, nothing. <laughs> definitely nothing. And definitely if you're an A-type personality like me, always on the go and wanting to do high-intensity exercise or fast pace, which we all are, most of us in this world, um, what they're going to get is frustration, and they're not going to like it, 90% of people that try it. So what I recommend is about 5 to 10 minutes every day. They have to make a commitment to do it because it's going to take about 30 days until you start understanding and accepting that, wow, I could actually relax and take three long deep breaths, relax my shoulders, close my eyes, and it does make me feel better. But at the beginning, they're going to be so resistant to it because they don't, they don't believe in it or they're not going to be patient enough. And then after 30 days, They'll start to enjoy it, and then they might do it a little bit longer, and maybe once a week they'll do it for 30 minutes. And over time, it's amazing what meditation could do for stress and anxiety and finding inner peace yeah. in your life. You mentioned something a few minutes ago where you said something about you know just walking. I, I read an article uh, a while back. Uh, about a guy who lost an enormous amount of weight, and I think he started off around the four or five hundred pound range. Also, and he said, you know, the first thing he started doing was walking because he said he really couldn't walk. Uh, you know, he said he started off walking, you know, a block, uh, and he said, it, you know, he would be exhausted after that, and and he built up to it. And he talked about his journey uh, over, over the years, and, and like you you mentioned earlier, it wasn't a quick fix. 
It took him a, a long time to lose the weight, and, and it took him a long time to get to the point where he could actually, quote, exercise. Um, mm-hmm. and, you, and you mentioned that, you know, a walking. Do, do you find that when you tell people that they're, they're, they're a little shocked or they don't understand that um, maybe just a little bit more movement might uh, help get them in the right direction? Yeah, they think they have to go full force right away. And, of course, I was a gym owner for 13 years, and I work at gyms. I love gyms. That's like my home away from home. So I recommend gyms for people once they know that they can make the commitment because people just go out and join a gym and blow all this money if they pay everything at once or they get so excited. And like I said before, they they put all these unrealistic goals and expectations on themselves and then they get so frustrated. They'll go five days a week to the gym and go full force and then by week two, they're going three times a week. By week three, they're not even going. When I owned my gym in January, my God, we sold 500 memberships by March. 450 of those people never came back. (laughs) So definitely, definitely walking gets them into it and and lets them know that they can do this and and that high that they feel when they exercise. And then eventually they should join a gym because you want to do weights and cardio, not just the walking. Weight-bearing exercises is definitely very important, too. we we see you know you mentioned it and it's, and, and something that uh, you know I have a friend who owns a gym also and we discussed this and what is the, this this thing and I understand it's the whole New Year's resolution thing but how do you how do you explain to people because uh, that's what happens uh, you know all gym owners go through that they, they they get that big boost in membership in the early part of the year and by the middle of the year they're trying to figure out how to get more people in the gym because things start to die off and uh, people stop coming. Uh, is that just inherent in our society that everybody makes these resolutions and, and wants to start off the year with a bang and then they just don't commit to it? Yeah, and that's the whole problem with why obesity is so out of control because they, again, want a quick fix. And and not only the quick fix, when they place the expectations and the unrealistic goals upon themselves and then they don't a- obtain those goals, and they get so frustrated, they feel like a failure, they they can't understand why they didn't do it, and then it, it's this whole thing with the mind-body connection again that they start feeling guilty, they start being harmful to themselves, um, maybe not physically, but spiritually, or maybe both. They go out drinking or take pills, whatever people do to help cope with why they fail in different areas. And that, again, goes back to the meditation because when you can meditate and be at peace and love yourself, and meditation doesn't also make you love yourself. It makes you be more at peace. But then you can accept yourself that, hey, it's okay if I don't lose 15 pounds in the first month. It's okay if it takes me a year to get to where I need to get. And and, And by loving themselves and being kind to themselves, and accepting themselves right here and right now, who they are, then they won't put so much pressure and unrealistic goals upon themselves. So they won't fail. Yeah, I see. You know, I see where you're coming from, and I think that also helps with people who, uh, um, you know, you hear people have different theories, and when it comes to health and fitness, um, and I, and I, you know, talk to people who say, well, I try to eat right. 
six days a week and I have a, I have a cheat day on the seventh day or whatever. So one day a week. I also hear other people say I try to eat right every day, but if I if I don't eat right one day, it's no big deal. Um, is that mm-hmm. all kind of the things that you, you you work on with them when you talk about the mental aspect and loving yourself and, and having attitudes where you know you can you can kind of step out of your your thing there one day, but you you, you move forward the next. Yeah, well, it, that's kind of a tricky question because, yes, I do tell people don't be so strict with themselves, but there are people that do have eating problems and do have to worry about their portion control, and if they do binge one day, they might totally fall off track. I totally agree with the eating six days a week healthy, and then one day cheating a little bit, not the whole entire day, like I've seen some people, <laughs> yeah. but having, yeah, you know, they just go crazy the whole, from morning till night, but I had a couple cheat meals here or there, and, and I tell a lot of my clients who, of course, women who love to drink wine, if you're going to drink wine during the week a little bit, then eat protein, eat vegetables, don't eat the heavy pastas and drink the alcohol, so... Yeah, I would say don't be so hard on themselves, but you have to follow a a structured guideline in order to obtain your goals if it's to lose a lot of weight or to get more tone. But, But yes, not to be so hard on themselves and to love and accept themselves as well. Nice. With with Metamorphosize, uh, is that the type of book that uh, people read, learn from, and put it down or share with somebody else? Or is it uh, more of a reference book? Um, read and share and reference. It's all of the above. It's a book for everyone listening to us right now, and you, and and your the person sitting next to you, and me, and all of us to just teach us that we don't have to get to the perfect weight. We don't have to find the perfect love of our life. We don't have to have the perfect job to become happy. And it gives, my book gives all the people, and that's all of us, the the tools on how to be happy now, right in your present moment, by looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself every morning when you wake up, I love you, you're enough, you're okay, you're you're great. And then by giving to others and, and being grateful for everything that we have in our life, whether it's hardships or good ships or whatever it is at the present moment, be grateful and, and smile at people and and surround yourself with positive people. And it, it just, my book goes over a lot of homework to do on a daily basis to be happy here and now. And then, of course, I talk about exercise and nutrition and juicing and uh, helping the environment and just living a balanced life and, and meditation and just how to be happy in the moment, I think, is the most important message that my book could send out to people. Nice. Do you do you think uh, that, um, you know, we talked about how people become obsessed with exercise um, and, and things like that, and, and, and same with, you know, nutrition and losing weight and whatnot. Um, when you talk about the whole balanced life uh, lifestyle, um when you were in your business, when you've dealt you dealt with people and you've trained people and you and you mentored people, um, have you seen a change in individuals as they ex- accepted this and 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 practiced it? 
Oh, 100%. I, I've trained so many people in the past 25 years, and definitely I would say in the past 8 to 10 years, when I really added this whole mind-body-spirit connection, the people I've helped is just it's just overwhelming to me, and that's why I wrote the book, and that's why I do what I do, because to see the people transform and to see them learn how to love themselves and be happy with themselves for whether they lost the 5 pounds, 15 pounds, 30 pounds, my 500-pound guy who lost 100 pounds, it had so many internal problems, and that's why he got to where he got. And if he didn't focus on the mind-body-spirit connection as a whole, he wouldn't have lost 100 pounds. And if he would have found a trainer who just focused on, you got to lose weight, weigh yourself every day, and never worried about what happened in his childhood or what was going on internally with him, he he would have failed and maybe even committed suicide and that was what people could do. So definitely, definitely I've seen so many transformations and it just makes my heart so happy to see that it's it's as simple as being kind and loving to yourself. That simple. And it sounds crazy, but when you say it to a person when they're going through so much, they look at you and they, they say, Wow, you're right, I'm not kind and loving to myself at all most people aren't and when they understand that it it becomes so much easier to change their lives i always i always you know we always talk uh, and talk to people who 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 do a lot of mentoring and training and teaching uh quick quick question i always want to know is is who was your mentor who who mentored you how did you uh, uh become the person that you are today my mentor for the past 10 years, I would say, is Dr. Wayne Dyer. When when I was a child, of course, my parents were everything to me. They, my dad is a very strong businessman who made me very strong and independent and have good values and drive. And my mom always taught me how to believe in myself and have a great imagination and believe that I could conquer anything I set out for in my life. But then recently, on my spiritual journey, Dr. Wayne Dyer, who's on mainly PBS, Channel 2, he wrote so many books on the power of intention and manifesting anything you desire in your life, and, of course, meditation. And I just think he is amazing. So if anyone doesn't know who he is, Google Dr. Wayne Dyer, and he'll definitely change your life, as well as metamorphosize my book <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh, well yeah he, he's on TV all the time you, you can find him and, and see who, who uh, Lisa has actually uh, looked up to and uh, you know also uh, you know check out her book um, we're gonna take a quick break Lisa and then uh, we want to come back and we have so many more questions for you uh, are you able to hang on sure sure you listen to Swoop Show on the Talk Radio Network. Our guest is Lisa Dwoskin, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. This is J.D. Nash. He'll be our guest next week. This is called 55. Back after this.
Jesus, Lord, in the city you left behind. Filled with heavy hearts and dying hearts, having no rhythm or rhyme. the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. we got to talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. Now that's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. Talk Story Radio.
This is OC singer-songwriter Justin Swallow, and you're listening to Swoop's World. Crying on the floor, drinking whiskey from a glass. I was an awful mess. You called me on the phone, I was drunk off my ass. You made me get And yes. welcome back to Swoop's World on the Talk Story Radio oh. Network. And uh, we're here with our guest, Lisa Dwoskin. Uh, she's a fitness expert, an author, and among a whole lot of many things, mentor, speaker, you name it. Uh, welcome back to the show, Lisa. Thank you. Uh, I have a quick question for you. You know, we, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, the, the mind and body transformation as far as, you know, the physical transformation, all those kind of things. When you first opened your gym, where were you mentally in, in that aspect? Were you, were you, uh, 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 you, know, you know, all about the, the fitness and the looks, or were, were you already incorporating this into your, uh, your, your clientele? Um, I had been into fitness and modeling and competing for about 15 years before I opened my gym. Mm -hmm. And when I opened my gym, I had, I was just turning 30 and I had lost the love of my life was my soulmate when I was 28. And that completely threw my life in a tailspin. And I found a meditation CD from a friend of mine the metamorphosis, the transformation, and and that was the only thing that helped me get through the loss of losing him, um, my boy, my ex boyfriend who passed away, and as I went through that and I opened my gym, I thought that when I opened my gym, I wanted to name it, of course, metamorphosize, and I wanted it to be a place where people could heal their mind, body, and spirit. I didn't exactly know how I was going to go about doing it, but I knew that it was like a calling. I'm, I'm really big into the universe giving you signs and things happening from fate and destiny of a higher power, whether it's an energy source, God, whatever it is we believe in, that it will definitely lead us to where we're meant to be in life. So all the trials and tribulations I went through got me to open the gym to try to help people, and then everything kind of fell into place from there on out. Wow. You're, you know, you're well-known in the fitness industry, and, and, uh, and I'm curious to, you know, how your peers uh, accept, you know, what you're, what you're doing, because, you know, I, I'm, you're in a different coast than us. I know a lot of the gym uh, owners or, or, or management uh, uh, in the gyms around uh, Southern California, uh, you know, a lot of them, it's, it's, it's not so much about the, the whole mind-body transformation. It's, it's about, you know, telling you how the fastest way to lose weight and, you know, you know how much cardio you need to do and, and, and things like that. It's not about the whole, you know, the whole transformation. How do your peers uh, accept you and, and, and your your uh, aspect of uh, the fitness industry? Well, when I started teaching my classes, and I would have 20, 30 women in the class, I started at the end of every class that I would teach, whether it's spinning, aerobics, body sculpting, whatever. And I never taught yoga, actually, which is pretty funny. I was always a hyper, high-intensity one. But after every class, I would shut up the music, do some breathing, and I would always say a positive quote for the day, whether it's um, with a positive mind, your body will react accordingly, or smile, that simple, be happy, say a kind word to someone. 
And what I found over time was all the women would come up to me after class one by one and tell me, wow, you know, not only do I leave here feeling great physically, but mentally, I feel wonderful. My classes would build, and then my clientele would build. And now that I don't own my gym anymore and I'm at different locations, life coaching and training, I have no problem getting top dollar with all the best clientele there is out there because they want to feel better. Everyone wants to feel better. And I think another funny twist on this is, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, of course, right? Yes. Okay, well, he and his father both endorsed my book on the back. There's beautiful quotes from both of them because his father, Rocky Johnson, who's a Hall of Fame WWE wrestler, you know, um, he's a good friend of mine. So imagine, do you have you ever seen The Rock's dad? Oh, yeah, I used to watch him when he was when I was a kid. <laughs> okay, so you know how big he is and tough he is, right? Yes. Well, when I first started my seminars at my gym, he's been a member for 15 years. So is Lawrence Taylor, the giant football player, who also got involved with me and, and my book. Um, they both. It's funny, Rocky Johnson came to my meditation and healing seminar, and when I started talking, I was a little bit worried about how he would respond, and he just totally opened up about his whole life and about what he's faced and his trials and tribulations, and I really helped him, and that's why he endorsed my book, because it kind of changed his life to see that it's how you deal with all these problems. And med and he's actually meditating now, which is funny. So I think it, it, people are receptive to it. They just have to give it a shot. That's awesome. Uh, Lisa, uh, the name of your book is Metamorphosize. How do people find out more about you? How do they buy about, go about uh, purchasing your book? And, uh, and uh, those who want to uh, follow you on, on the different social networks, could you put all that information out for us? Yep, yep. I have a website. It's lisadwaskin.com. So that's L-I-S-A and the last name D-W-O-S-K-I-N.com. And they could order my book right on there and it'll link to Amazon, Barnes and Nobles and my publishing company. Or they could go to my Facebook fan page and that's facebook.com, Body by Lisa or BBL Fitness. So either one of those will work. I think we also see a flow rider on one of her uh, sites there too, didn't you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. I, I I got it in with a bunch of celebrities. I actually had a big breast cancer event when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. The girl who was working for me doing facials, her husband was his PR guy. So he got <laughs> flow rider to come to my gym. The stage in front of my gym and sing to my mom and me and a thousand people and we raised forty thousand dollars for breast cancer. Awesome. Well, Lisa, it's it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, wish you all the best and uh, look forward to uh, uh, getting the hands on the book there and and, and seeing uh, seeing more of what you're doing. Keep doing all the great things you're doing and, and thanks for joining us here on Swoops Road. Thank you. Thank you for having me and have a great night. You too. Get some rest. I know it's late over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sleep right now. Right. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Thank Bye. you. Bye.
That's Lisa Dwaskin, and uh, you can go to her uh, uh, her website. Uh, I think it's lisadwaskin.com, and uh, Body by Lisa is her Facebook page, I believe. Uh, we'll get all that information on. If you go to the front page of Swoops World, and you can see where uh, she's going to make an appearance on the show, you click on that tab, and there's a link to her uh, her uh, website right then and there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we're getting close to time for a little bit of Brewski's beer tasting, and uh, Anthony Davis will be joining us pretty soon, and of course, uh, T-Bone's time out. You're listening to Swoops Road on the Talk Story Radio Network. This is Alter Billy's, and this is called Aim High, back after this.
Every day I wake up at five to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at five to give dad his medicine. At six, I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at five to give dad his medicine. At six, I make his breakfast. At seven, I shower. Every day I wake up for at those five caring for a loved one. We hear you. That's why AARP created a community to help us better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org/caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. So I'm a dog, and I just got adapted by this new human guy, and I'm starting to wonder how he got along without me. I mean, okay, something as simple as walking around the block. He's got this leash thing, and he puts me on one end and him on the other, and I'm just taking him around. I, I think he's afraid of getting lost. Without that leash and me guiding him along, I don't think he'd find his way back home. But it's kind of cute. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. <laughs> by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Hello, this is Exine Zervenka. You're listening to Swoops World. Welcome back to Swoops on the Talk Story Radio Network. We want to thank Lisa Dwoskin for joining us again once again. Uh, that was very, pretty interesting stuff there, man. Yeah, yeah. She uh, really 
was not what you know even either one of us were expecting in terms of how the whole how the whole thing balances out. Yeah, you know? exactly. And that's and that's a, that's a tough thing to really motivate someone while yeah. at the same time letting them know like you you don't suck. <laughs> you don't have to dump everything. Well, you know the thing is, is you know as a, as a as a fitness expert or a trainer or whatnot, people come to you and they're like, "We want results now." Uh-huh. You know, it, 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 her, for her to be able to uh, sit somebody down and explain to them that you know her 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 theory is a is a whole balanced uh, life approach, and, uh, and get them to go to, to you know, okay, I'll go with this. Mm-hmm. To me, is, uh, is exceptional because I, I know a lot of I know a lot of trainers. I know a lot of people who go to trainers and, and have gone to trainers, and it's all about you know the here and the now and the, you know a lot of people don't care about their own mental health. It's like I need to lose fifteen pounds because I'm going back to my high school reunion and type of crap. You know what I mean? So uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, her book is called Metamorphosize. And it's on Amazon and uh, all the different ways you can get it. And you can go to the swoopsworld.com homepage, click on the uh, Lisa Dwoskin Live uh, Swoopsworld Late Night tab there. And, uh, and within there, there's a link that'll take you to her uh, her website. And you can order and everything from there and follow her on Facebook and Twitter and all those kind of good things. DraftKings, man. DraftKings is the place to go to get your fantasy sports fix in a week increment or less and if you go to swoopsworld.com slash DraftKings you can choose a draft you can draft your own fantasy team any day of the week and then scrap it and start again next week it's all <laughs> the fun of fantasy football with none of the commitment and having to bail yourself out for screwing up in the draft uh, and I know that I was just changing my fantasy lineup this morning and I had to, I had to just drop like three guys like man nobody wants to trade for these guys They've got buys coming up, or they're injured, and I'm just going to drop them and then pick up whoever the fuck is left on <laughs> Whoever's left on the waiver wire. And the drafting is the fun part, so you get to do that all the time. So if you go to swoopsworld.com slash DraftKings, or click on that uh, DraftKings ad on the right side of the Swoopsworld homepage, you get a free entry into a big money giveaway, and you get to have all of the most fun parts of fantasy sports, maybe with the exception of, you know, you don't know the people that you're talking trash on. But uh, they give you money if you win, too. So Nothing wrong fun. with that, yeah. man. Yeah, you know, a little bit, a couple mm-hmm. of bucks in your pocket is always good. Could try, use some of that. Let me try something out here real quick. Yeah, we, uh, I don't know what that's static. I'm getting that static in the background there. We're trying to work it out during all the breaks. But, uh, oh, well, man, we'll, we'll get to it uh, soon. Uh, Audible.com, man. Uh, for all your, you know, audible book reading things. Maybe hey, Lisa might be there, too. i have to check mm-hmm. it out and see if she's there. Uh, you go to audibletrial.com and forward slash Troops World. You get there. Your first book is free. I think there are over 100,000 books, 100, over 100,000 books to choose That's from. That's an man. awful lot of books. That's a whole lot of books, man. Yeah. I, I uh, just finished Persuader, uh, part of the Jack Reacher series. How many uh, you got left in the Jack Reacher? There's like 15, uh, 15. I've probably knocked out about eight. So, yeah, yeah they're, they're, you know, maybe a little bit less. Maybe I knocked out six. But uh, I, I started like in the middle, and then I, I you know, the first couple I lit were like eight and then 12, and then I just kind of went back and mm-hmm. I didn't go back to number one because <laughs> because it was being uh, read by a different narrator. Uh, I like, I happen to like Dick Hill. Uh, and uh, so I, I think I'm back, I went back to like number Five and something like that, or six. Uh, but uh, Persuader was good. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed them all so far. So uh, you go to uh, audibletrial.com 
sign up there, get your first book for free, and uh, you can get your credits each month. And uh, every time you, uh, when you sign, not every time, but when you sign up, you uh, go through our website there, then uh, you help us out with well, help us with a, a couple pennies here and there. Yeah. As uh, Adam Carolla would say, it keeps the flagship moving, man. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it is that time, that, that time we look forward to each week. It's time for Brewskies, our beer tasting segment right here at Swoops Row Late Night, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a brew, and join us right now for Brewskies, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. Well, good evening, folks, and happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday! You have got that back, man. You yeah, right. that's right. You know what, Peter? I'll tell you what. You can keep your studio, I'll keep my tag. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It is the, and I will agree with him on this, it is the most important part of the show. It is the beer tasting time with brewskis. Brought to y'all by drinkswinespirits.com, of course. Yes. And tonight, we are drinking from Rough Draft Brewing Company in San Diego. We are drinking their second draft, Anniversary Manhattan. Uh, this is uh, further described as a malt beverage brewed with natural flavors and aged on bourbon oak chips. Now, if you caught the word of the day there, it was Manhattan. Yes. And that means that this beer is supposed to taste vaguely reminiscent of a... Manhattan. Now, I happen to like Manhattan. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm old school, man. Yeah. <laughs> you get those in dark yeah. whiskey bars, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they've got the bourbon. I imagine it's going to get a little get a little fruity on. You know. well, with a little cherry, mm-hmm. cherry thing going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, you know, had a hell of a time trying to find any real information about this beer on the interwebs. Uh, I don't know if it was just like a very short run. Uh, What's their anniversary? It was their you anniversary think they ought to be one? bragging about but it. But right? it's not even on the website's uh, special special releases and stuff uh, section. I don't know. Couldn't find it. Found a few a few choice uh, comments about it on the interwebs. Good or bad? Uh, not, to, not to persuade her. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, you know. Um, but this is this is what I'm going to give you guys what the bottle says, and this is off the right side of the label. You know where it gets good and creative and stuff. And from Rough Draft, they say, Over the past two years, we've both come so far. To celebrate our two-year anniversary, we've created a limited edition anniversary release inspired by a 130-year-old American cocktail classic, the Manhattan. Complete with a mixture of cherries and aromatic flavors, sure to keep your advanced taste coming back for more. So sit back and reflect on how much we've both grown (laughs) and all the possibilities yet to come. So... We've let's got. Let me, just check, let me just check one thing real quick. Uh, okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> Checking the. Spelt my hand on before I sit it out. M I S S I S S I P P I. This is nine point three percent ABV. I do not have any firm statistic here on IBUs. Probably not much. Probably not many. Yes. However. The 9.3, that's a nice touch. Yes, indeed. So, uh, I mean, do you have any any curious things to contribute here? I don't know. I, I Like I said, I like a good Manhattan. Uh, it, it makes me think of, you know, those old detective uh, radio shows and uh-huh. stuff like yeah. that. And, uh, uh, and then I, 
there was a time, there's a, uh, there's a, a bar inside a hotel here in Long Beach called Sip, and uh, they broke out their uh, their own signature uh, Manhattan uh, a couple years ago, and I went there and tested them out. And very, very good. So, uh, looking forward to tasting this. Yeah. What do you say? Let's give her, give her a ring. Huh? Salute. Salute. I think you let us off last week. Let me let you us off. Yeah, sure. Um, interesting, very interesting. I mean, it's more of a Manhattan than it is a beer, um, taste-wise. Um, it actually kind of tastes real close to, you know, Sans de Fizz uh, to, to a Manhattan. Um, but we're we're judging beers. <laughs> I've got a little, a little torn yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like the taste. I uh, I think it's uh, it's not something I, I would drink you know daily or more than a, you know I wouldn't be like all night you know drinking these. But uh, for what it is, uh, this is uh, it's not a bad. It's not bad at all. I like it. Yeah, it's it's a little confusing. Yes. Um. I am definitely, definitely knocked back on my heels a little bit. You know, I, I, I didn't know how much of an homage this was going to be. <laughs> yeah, because so, a lot of times when people say that, you get a hint. Yeah, you know, yeah. A, a whisper of yeah. you know, this and that. Um, this one, it really, really kind of drills you in the face and says, "This is what we're doing here." So, um, yeah, it's definitely fun. If nothing else, for the novelty. I don't know. Right. We will have to drink the whole thing to have a, a more, <laughs> more firm opinion about its longevity. But, you know, it's a great start. It is. Uh, now, here's this my dilemma. This is going to be one of these uh, here's my multiple dilemma. layers of rating yeah, scales. Yeah, it's my sure. dilemma. If I, if I was going to rate this as a Manhattan, I'd probably give it fairly high marks. Because uh, it's right in the realm of what I like out of a Manhattan. Uh, as a beer, yeah, kind of lower because I'm not getting a whole lot of beer to it. But as a novelty beer, as you mentioned mm -hmm. here, which actually kind of perked me up, I hadn't really kind of dialed in on that. Mm -hmm. uh, as a novelty beer, which I don't really like generally, uh, I give it high marks. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go with the novelty beer category. Okay. Using for my things, and I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I. It's hard to really, you know, like we said, this is a, it's an anniversary beer. This is not something that's going to be a regular part of their production run. Um, so I, I think that's probably the most appropriate way to approach it and rate it, you know. And I think this was probably one of the bigger gambles. It has been out of everything we've tasted, and. and and one of the better payoffs, too, because we've tasted some where it's, you know, they're throwing in chipotle peppers and That's serrano right. chilies. And I'm not to say there's anything wrong with that. I like spicy things, occasionally even in my beer, usually on the side of the plate <laughs> next to my beer. But, you know, we've tasted some novelty mixes and, and collaborations. Some of them are fun. Some of them really good. Some of them don't really work out. This one, I think it... it it hits on its intended, you know, stated purpose. Uh, it's a little, it's 
definitely not not your, we're not going to taste anything like this anytime soon. No, from anyone else. <laughs> uh, but I think like you know, I think they they hit their target here. So let me give them a seven and a half. Nice, nice. Um, I don't even know what to pair with this. I don't even think you pair anything with it. I, 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 I guess bitterness and loneliness. <laughs> That was great, man. <laughs> you did a whole fucking rim shot on that one. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, I, I, salted nuts sitting in a dark bar uh-huh. is about all I come yeah. up with. It. I, I don't really see. Uh, I don't really see any food pairings. With this no, <laughs> no, this is the kind of place that does not have Some pretzels. Food maybe maybe a pickled license. egg if you're yeah. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> the salt coming off the bartender. <laughs> it's gonna be some salt what do you have? <laughs> well, cool, man. I, I I think, like you said, they hit their mark. Uh, they they got what a seven point seven five seven five exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they hit their mark on that. Uh, really, we got no uh, no suggestions for food pairings in this. Uh, as a novelty beer, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's good, man. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> I think that's it, man. You gotta try it and find it. There you have it, another edition of Brisky, sponsored by That's Brisky, sponsored by drinkswinespirits.com. Go there, go there, join the Beer of the Month Club, and uh, you can be tasting beers from all over the world and helping out the show just a little bit. Good, good times, good times. About 10, 15 minutes away from Anthony Davis joining the show with us, and uh, he's going to have plenty to talk about, as always. Uh, Sunday, I was at Tavern and Bowl in Costa Mesa, uh-huh. uh, 55 Tavern. Cool place, man. I don't think if you've, if you've ever been there, you know, you hear Tavern and Bowl, you're going, hey, hey, well, it's like, a, it's got a, it was a really cool uh, bar, you know, really nice, fancy bar, uh, good food, they have a great menu. Uh, the bowling alleys, it's kind of upscale bowling alleys type of thing. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a, a place in Hollywood and Highland a little bit, but uh, I can't really think of the name of, that, name of that place right now. But it is a really a, a, an exceptional place. I had a good time there. We were there for the Breast Cancer Angels uh, fundraiser event. Met some cool people there, uh, you know, from different organizations. Pave, uh, the Breast Cancer Angels, of course. And uh, somebody from Green Law Partners who uh, owns owns a lot there, uh, but it was a good time. And uh, if you get a chance, check out BreastCancerAngels.org. What a wonderful organization they are. They what they do is they don't raise money for research. They don't raise money for any, any of that. Not that that's not a great thing to raise money for, but they actually they're hands on. Man, mm-hmm. the money they raise goes to women in need, women who are, and and a few men actually mm-hmm. who have breast cancer who might have you know, gasoline needs to get to chemotherapy and might yeah. have to, might need a new bed, a new mattress, you know, food for kids, so. Place to stay across the street for yeah. extended, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and and they and they need the funds. And, and 100%, they have a, uh, a uh, what do they call it, an angel investor who covers all of the uh, admin fees. So 100% of your donations goes to helping a person in need. So uh, you can go to their website. You can just make a one-time donation. You can do a monthly donation, any amount. And they said, you know, even if you give 20 bucks a month, 
uh, you know, you might be paying somebody's gas for the week, or you might be paying somebody's this for the week. So uh, it all it all helps out, and they're they, they're actively helping over a hundred people at one time. So uh, a, a really a good organization. Get a chance to check them out. Breastcancerangels.org. For all your fitness needs, especially if you're in the Long Beach area, get a hold of our good friend Jack Nunn over at Rowworks, R-O-W-O-R-X. Uh, he, can, uh, he can train you, man. He can get you in shape. Jack just got back from uh, Boston for doing run, uh, rowing in the head of Charles, won his category. And the week after that, he was somewhere doing a triathlon. Uh, he's an outstanding triathlete. But, uh, you know, and over at Rowworks, they have indoor rowing, uh, personal training, boot camp, and a whole lot more. Located at 5750 Boathouse Lane. You can go to the website www.roworx.com or you can give them a call at 562-688-1716. Let them know the Swoops World sent you and your first week is free. Can't beat that, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, once again, we're about 10 minutes away from Anthony Davis, NFL great USC alum. And uh, he's also known as the Notre Dame killer, man. It's yes. the 40th anniversary of uh, the big comeback. And, and he's, he's done things in college and collegiate football that no one else has. And uh, he's always got some great things to talk about in the world of sports. I'm sure we'll be covering uh, something about USC. Those guys don't want to play four quarters, man, four complete quarters. That's a tough task. <laughs> you got to play to the last to the whistle, man, to the gun. Goes uh, whatever they call it. Why were they in the games these days? Whistles, right? You got to play to the very bitter end. They never do. So uh, we're gonna have to talk to him about that. He's got plenty to talk about. About ten minutes away from now, we're gonna take a quick break. This is Josh Domingo. If I had a dollar, back after this. If I had a dollar, well, I'd spend it all on you, and I'd buy you all the things. That you've grown accustomed to Cause if I had a dollar I'd waste every cent on you But until I have a dollar Well I hope my heart will do If I had a quarter Well, I'd take you to the mall Let you try on all the dresses Look so pretty in them all Cause if I had a quarter I'd waste every cent on you Until I have a quarter Well, I hope my heart will do And I hope my heart will do Cause it's all I have You're my every breath 
my heart will turn Cause it's all I have I wish I had a nickel Put a big smile on your Tons of ice cream from your favorite place. If I had a nickel, I'd waste every drop on you till I have a nickel. Sugarland here for Rad, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. Music is one of the most important things in our lives, but nothing is more important than life itself. Music lives, and so should you. Please plan ahead. Designate before you celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, Rad, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. This is Evan from the Bicycle Stand. Stick it in the big ring, and you're listening to Swoops World. And welcome back to Swoops World and Talk Story Radio Network. And uh, about time to call AD. What do you think, man? Yeah. He's got his own little intro here, man. Let's see if we can find it here. Da, 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 da. with the voicemail because he wasn't ready for us, man. But uh, hopefully he uh, picks up right away here. Good evening. Evening. Uh, welcome back to the show. we got Anthony Davis, USC grade five-time national champion, as well as NFL, CSFL, and you name it. How you doing, man? 
doing fine. Hang it in there. <laughs> As usual. As always, brother. Well, there's always so much to talk to you about. You know, you're... We all know you're a five-time national, collegiate national champion, and three of those times was uh, baseball. World Series just ended. Your thoughts on the World Series, man? Did you watch any of it? Well, let me, well, I was impressed with that pitcher's name was Von Gardner. Von Gardner, yeah. Von Gardner, yeah. He's, uh, I was impressed with him for baseball in a long while because of his performance. And he reminds me of the Sandy Koufax and Bob Gibson's Warren Spahn's and guys back in the day, around my era, close to my era, and how you can go over your pitch count and still come back and be strong. Yeah. And uh, and, and that's become a little mystical because a lot of these guys condition the day only going four or five. You go four or five good innings and you're fine. You got the middle and then you got the and you got the you know the finisher and the relief. Right. Very seldom people guys go nine innings like they used to do anything, uh, years ago, but. He's proven to me that he's an iron hockey and that's the one the World Series for him, defense and pitching. It's interesting you bring that up. That's been uh, one of the things we've talked about on the show a few times. Uh, and, I, and I say, you know, I, you know, I grew up in an era where guys would play, pitch eight, nine innings unless they were in trouble. Uh, you know, you have complete game winners and stuff like that. And now it's all about the pitch count. Um, do you think that's – I guess that saved guys' careers uh, with the pitch count and whatnot, but uh, – I, I, I find it at times, uh, you know, they're pulling the guy out when he still has good stuff, and they're leaving guys, uh, you know, and, and you know they're they're pulling guys out sometimes after after one and a half innings uh, or one and a third innings. Uh, you know, you, you're right. He, he's he's kind of a he's a kind of a throwback. And uh, do you think if we've gone that far away from it, we're not going to see that in uh, much anymore? We're just going to see when guys are like that. It is something special. And uh, do you think we'll ever get back to the time when guys are pitching? Uh, deep into the game. Well, first of all, you know, you know, Bump Garter, he's a uh, he's a freak of nature, and I think I think you're going to see some more of that coming up. But the reason a lot of these people do these organizations do this is because of the money they invest in these food pitchers these days, and and they know it's a short uh, shelf shelf a lifespan for these these pitchers these days, and uh, that's one they're trying to protect their investment. Number one. And psychologically and conditioning-wise, these guys only train to pick their five or six innings. So, I mean, those, those are two common, in my opinion, those are two reasons that, one of the two main reasons that they do what they do. You know, and everybody's conditioned mentally, hey, you know, I'm just going to go five or six, I'm going to do my best within five or six or seven innings at the max, and then, uh, and then you have somebody come in relief. So you're going to see, you might see a little bit more like that. I think he's setting a trend. But you got to remember, Bumgarner, he he's, he, he, He's an unorthodox pitcher. His delivery, big, he's strong, how he delivers the ball. You don't get that. And that's the problem the Royals had with him, picking up the ball and stuff. I mean, his command was unbelievable. I think, uh, and, and Timo, you, you, you're probably more in tune in this than I am, but I, I'm pretty sure even uh, Kershaw pitched deep in the, into a lot of games this year, too, though. Yeah, Kershaw was, he was going yeah, he, seven know, at least pretty much every start. And he had his share you know, of complete he, games this season. And, and, and as you know, what he's done and what Hershaw's done and stuff, he didn't get to the World Series. But see, the, the sad thing about championship play and stuff in, in any level is what you do at the end. I mean, is he was he in the end standing up and he becomes a champion? And so this guy's been on three championship teams, and, and now he's proven he's, he's shown history and performed with history. 
and versus what the Dodgers have done. So that's where he has to get with Bumgarner, uh, get in that in that arena. It, there, there's there's different levels, but the top levels, if you win, you counted on the championship and what you've done. That's how it is in our society, especially in the sports society. Yeah. Well, you, we we got to we got to congratulate the Giants. I think there was that three times in the last six years. Yeah, like the that. Giants have uh, nailed the even numbers. Uh, they got 2010, 2012, and 2014 World Series championships now. Right. Three and five years. Yeah. Well, which is phenomenal. That's a dynasty. Good for Bruce Bochy and his big Canadian head. <laughs> right. He does have a head, doesn't he? <laughs> I, I think his hat is like an eight and five eights. Man. That guy's head is fucking enormous. He looks, like one, he looks like one of them Canadian Kodiaks up there. <laughs> It can only be better if his head flapped like the Canadians on South Park. Hey, man, all he got to do is put some black makeup on. He'd be cool. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be perfect for Halloween. All he got is Bootsy. He put on some black makeup, man, just walk out there. <laughs> but you know something? My hat goes off and goes, you know, and you know something? The San Diego, the San Diego Padres must be thrown up in the bucket. Yeah, he, yeah. He, 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 well, see, what that says, whether or not the timing of him, what he's done in San Francisco, is the fact that, okay, what, what, who's not helping him in the San Diego Padre organization? He, he goes from San Diego and won three championships in San Francisco. So that exposes the people he was working with down in San Diego. Mm-hmm. You see, and that's, and that's what's happening. You know, I know a, teammate, a guy that I played against, Dave Winfield, who was down there in the organization. I want to I ask him, what, what were you guys thinking about getting rid of Bumgarner, unless, unless I think did they fire him or did he just moved on? Uh, he he moved on of his own accord. Yeah, Bochy, well, he, bottom, he, he got hired away the, basically. The, the bottom line is he's done a fantastic job mm-hmm. and his time is right. He knows how to manage his players. His players believe in what he says, and that's half the battle. So you know what was lacking down in the, in the project organization was a lack of talent, lack of organization, lack of communication amongst the execs, ownership. You start. You could start questioning. And you, and you better bet your bottom dollars that people in San Diego wonder what. Why did he leave? <laughs> so all, <laughs> so all them questions start popping up. For the, the, the four hundred Padre fans the, the, the out there, the city of San Diego is used to seeing guys leave yeah, their organizations and, that, and go un- to championships it's, elsewhere. It's an unfortunate <laughs> fact that yeah, Padres fans that. The, oh, and I'm not the, just Padres. Chargers well, too. Oh yeah, well, but I mean, the Padres have just made a name. I mean, hell, how many times have they sold the entire team out from under itself, you know? And I, I remember, unfortunately, too well, at least the, the 91 or 92 fire sale where they just said, eh, all those guys, let the, let's go let those guys win championships somewhere else. And, you know, that's just been the organization's M.O. for at least 30 years, if not the entire yeah, both existence. Teams. Both teams with the Chargers and the Padres. I mean, look at Drew, look at... Just look at Drew Yeah. I mean, the second round draft choice, and pretty much said he couldn't play. He had an operation, and they got rid of him. And here he was the Super Bowl. Down there with Sean Payton, and he's been, he's been one of the contenders ever since he's been there. So, I mean, like I've always told you, it depends on who's coaching you, what organization, and blah, blah, blah. And it depends on what you do and how you're successful in, in sport. Everything in sport is timing, who you're with, and who you play. You know, I'm living example of that. Uh, of, of what that is. If, if I'm, a, if I'm a, a Ram in my day or a Pittsburgh Steelers or a Cowboys, i got three Super Bowl rings on my hand. So I'm just saying, you know, and, and I'm, I'm happy for players who can move on and do something and show the, uh, make sure the organization, you guys made a mistake. 
either you made him sick or you clueless. And that's how it comes off. Oh, you're the one who was there coaching Drew Brees, and you guys got rid of him, and also he's a Super Bowl team. <laughs> Yeah, we call that the the, buzz, the Buzzy Bavese, uh <laughs> decision making. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you look, you, you look, you, you look at San Francisco with all the other coaches they had with, with with Alex Smith, and I got to tell people, oh, he was a bust. No, he ain't no bust. He had four offensive coordinators, and what three head coaches and his, his whole tension in San Francisco. Yeah, come on, you can't. You know, so I'm just saying. <laughs> And look, and look when, when guys come over and take over organizations and what they do and how they get their, their, their players and ownership together on the same page and how successful it is. That's why Belichick went so fair. I mean, people, people forgot that he was at Cleveland at one time. He got fired by Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns fired him. But that being said, he was, the uh, I believe, the offensive or defensive coordinator for the Giants when they won uh, the Super Bowl back in the day. Yeah, he got fired. The Cleveland Browns fired him. He's with Parcells up with the jump. They fired him. He goes to Patriots, and he's been a contender ever since. Yeah. Let's not forget that he was the Jets head coach for one day before he resigned <laughs> and took the Patriots <laughs> job. And, 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 he looks really fucking smart for doing yes, that. Yes, he does. <laughs> and here's, here's another situation with Pete Carroll. He's with the Patriots. When they, that dysfunctional, when they were dysfunctional. They went to the Jets. That was dysfunctional. Comes to SC with success. Go, go to the Seattle Seahawks where it's control. He, 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 he's been right there since he's been there. He was a Super Bowl. Yeah. So when guys win and successful like that, they've always had it in them. Just like Bochy with the Padres. They've had it, they had it in, in them. And I just wish, and, and, and anybody listening to this, this interview tonight, listen to this. It depends on your players, timing, system, and organization ownership is why these guys win or lose. Period. And don't, don't look at players, oh, he was this, he's a bust. No, it, it takes chemistry, people around you, and stuff like that. And if you'd have told me, if you told me five, six years, seven, five, seven years ago that Drew Brees would be a Super Bowl champion coming out of I said, no, nah, man, you're, you're smoking something. Well, he got with the right organization, and boom, look what happened. Look what he is now. He's yeah. one of the prolific passes in the league. Yeah. We just San Diego, he was nothing. He was a has been down there. And somebody believed in him. He got with the organization. They built something, and, and I wish a lot of ball players in every situation can have that. You know, uh, let, let, since, since you kind of moved to, we moved to the NFL. I got, I got a couple of quick questions for you. I, uh, one of the things is, is uh, I, I and I've said this many a times. I love uh, the NFL channels, uh, football life. I watch that every every new show comes on. It's it's amazing. They do a great job. And this week, this last week was on Ladanian Tomlinson. And I know you're, you you talk a lot about concussions and you and, and, and the doctor and everything. Here's what I'm interested in, and I, and I want your thoughts on this. He had migraines, and he had migraines going back to his high school years, and, and he would say that you know his actual his vision he could not even he, he could feel it coming on. He would lose his vision, and uh, he would have these migraines, and then it's one of the reasons he took himself out of the Super Bowl game. And uh, Shanahan put him in as a decoy. They scored. They won their first Super Bowl. Do you think all the hits, uh, you know, through Pop Warner years and, and all that kind of stuff going into high school years uh, and, and may have been a cause to the migraines he had over those years? It varies from players to players, individual, individual. And I do believe it contributes. Once you put a helmet on, I believe it contributes. Every time you take a hit, not directly in the head, hitting the ground, shaking your head, all that, that contributes to having your problem. And you do have a propensity of having uh, migraine. That's going to contribute to that even more so. You see, so, yeah, I, I think how you can take yourself out of the game because what it does, 
you know, every time you get hit, that's that's a shock to the brain. Yeah. And if you get a direct shot, that's really a, a, a traumatic shock. So I mean, if you do it for so many years and you have a, a, a migraine condition, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I've had I've had a headache or so in a game and stuff, but then not, not the, the stuff that I know now. I know I was my brain was traumatized and I and I had a concussion. I shouldn't have been on the field. Yeah. And I know I played with a slight concussion when I played. But what I know now. And these guys, the day getting hit, I mean, they can say whatever they want. Anytime you put a helmet on your head, it doesn't matter who, what kind of technology you have. You, you, that, that, that brain is rattling. You, so, so when guys say, you see, and look at a lot of these guys, and they get in, look at the glaze look in their eyes. That, that, that's trauma right there. And, and the longer you play, the more trauma you get. So, it contri- so yeah, it contributes to migraine. It contributes to anything you have going on in your head. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of lot of lot of hard hits this week. Uh, you know, Tony Romo, uh, he went down hard. They thought he re-injured a, a back that he had an operation on. Uh, we're seeing a lot of these guys, a lot of these quarterbacks, <clears throat> especially, have had some uh, some serious uh, you know injuries and operations off season and, and, and return to play uh, the next season. And uh, uh, you know, we talk about Manning. We talk about uh, uh, Romo. Uh, when you see these kind of hits uh, and these guys go down with the same, you know, in the same general area that they had these operations, do you think it's a good uh, choice to come back in the, the, the game? The same, you know, uh, Romo went out to the locker room, uh, I guess it was right before halftime or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, he came back later on in the game. Uh, do you see these guys, uh, these decisions that are being made by the, the medical staff or that are being made by the coaches or that are being made by the players? It's a combination of both, but if I'm if I'm Tony Romo, I come out of that game. Look, let me tell you something. I don't care what they say about rehab and coming off knees and coming off backs. You ain't never the same. I don't care what you say. Yeah. You find it out once you got out of the game. I never came back in that game. You don't know what damage he's done. You got to remember also when you're playing on turf versus grass, that changes the dynamics of the game for you. When you can hit and the way he and see he doesn't he know how to fall. What he did, he should have took that blow going backwards. He put he put he put his back to the defender's him. You don't know what kind of hit you're gonna take. You you take that thing face up and try to fight the fall instead of just falling down. Let the man hit you like that. Right. First of all, he fell wrong anyway. You don't fall away. You want to see who's hitting you if, if, if you can. You can't help it. Sometimes you come from the blind side when that when he's right handed and the, and, the, and the defensive man coming in on his left on his on your left on your left tackle. Sometimes you're not gonna see and he misses the block. But if you if you know you're going down, the guy comes, you don't give him your backside and just fall. Anything can happen. You got to brace up and you're falling anyway. I did it as a runner. Right. So so I I don't understand why he came back in the game. I think that was a detriment to the team. I don't think he was really healthy. Yeah, I, I think that that decision was. I I think that was in Dallas's worst interest as a team and his worst interest as a human being and a player. Um, yeah, not not just absolutely. because he wasn't at full strength, but because. He was cold. They had a guy who had led them on two consecutive touchdown drives. Right. And you know, you have to argue if you have to argue with the team doctor for more than thirty seconds to get back out on the field. You probably should. See, just, look, when, you should and you're right. You're right. When you, when, you know? you, you're right. When you, when, when you leave, look, when you leave a playing situation and you got somebody on the roll, especially a quarterback mm-hmm. with the dynamics of him controlling the team, and, and like you say, he led him on those drives. You don't take that guy out. He's going to take him out. Hey, you're sitting out to see what happens, and you get ready for next week. Because, hey, we know you're making the money, and that's an investment. And Jerry Jones ain't going to let you sit on the bench and make that money. They're going to put you out and run you until your tongue comes out. That's what it is. That's what it's all about. 
And his ego stepped and said, now I need to get back. Well, I, frankly, I think that cost him the game. Well, here's a question, here's a question I have for you, AD. And I think, I think the pressure comes from the ownership. When, when Jerry Jones leaves his booth and goes down to the locker room, we don't know what's being said inside there. Why is the owner, why is the owner coming, coming down and going into the locker room uh, while, you're, while you're being treated? And, and uh, you know, he, he's, got, he's, got, he's got minions. He's got a, a phone up in the booth. He doesn't need to uh, physically go down there. And, and I know he's got a habit of going on the sidelines. And, and being more involved than he needs to be more, than most owners are, but uh, don't you do you think at least personally I think that the kid well he's not a kid anymore but I think Romo might have been wanting to go back in the game. Um, doctor may have been saying no, but when the owner shows up, the guy who's signing everybody's checks, uh, I think decisions might be made that may not be the best decisions for uh, the individual. First of all, I don't know if it's Jerry Jones' decision or the doctor's decision or Tony Romo's decision. But I would say, Tony, Tony, next time you get hurt like that, and you got a quarterback and your teammate is rolling the team down there and get a win, let him stay in there. You see, because when you when you bring, especially in the quarterback, when you bring a quarterback in and the team gets acclimated the way he's running the system and the team, it's a difference. So don't 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 go up and down with jumping him in and, and coming back in as a quarterback when this guy was in the role. It's like you said, he came down in two scores. Keep the guy in there. Yeah. Keep That's why there. you spend money on a decent backup. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. So, so you got Jerry Jones coming down there. Who, by the way, I know who Jerry Jones. We know each other. But the, the, the situation is, hey, leave up to doctors and the player, but he's got to be down. That's that's, that's Jerry world. And see, one thing I can say about him, my hat's off. He, he realizes football and sport is entertainment now. Name like was now. It's entertainment now. Quite out. If you've been in that stadium, you know what, he, what kind of atmosphere he built. So he's all part of that. I'm on the field. I'm talking to my player. I'm going to see him and make sure myself in his mind that he can play. I mean, that's him, you know. In a way, that's good, and sometimes it can be a curse in some way. Well, but, you know, some if you win a Super Bowl, he does everybody's like, oh, that is that genius. He does this. And say, I mean, you know, look, people are fickle in our society. You know, right now they're saying he's egocentric, he's this and that, but he won a Super Bowl, and everybody, wow, what a formula you have, Jerry. <laughs> you interface with the players, you got the best chillers in the world, you got this, you got that. Wow. Look at the way he does. Look at his product. Look at the way he marks his product. See, so, you know, until he wins, people are always going to be critical of him. Another question. But I think he's the modern-day Al Davis, I can tell you that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, since we're to the subject of Dallas Cowboys, there's a couple of good, there's a couple of players there right now that are looking really interesting, and and, and are doing some, some really outstanding things. Uh, but I have one quick question, and I'm a big, it, as far as sports go, I, I'm a big believer in uh, you know certain guys set a certain standard. Um, you you kind of leave their numbers alone, and I, as well as much as I love Des Bryant as as an individual, I'm not a Cowboy fan. Um, I want to know why he's wearing 88 because Michael Irving uh, set some set some pretty good you know high level standards there, and I, I'm surprised that they uh, still issue his jersey out over there in uh, Dallas. Well, put it this way: if Jerry if Jerry if Jerry Jones decides he wants to retire Michael Irving's number, he's coming. Dez is going to lose it. It's going to go up in the rafter up there. Until then, he's going to keep. And you know, and matter of fact, he should have retired because he went in the Hall of Fame. So I don't know what that's about. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't know why he's wearing his jersey. I never gave him this jersey. That's a, that's a three-time Super Bowl champ there. 
And despite whatever you feel about his off the field antics and what has happened to him, maybe that has something to do with. It. But, I, but but if I don't, if I'm on the team, I, I don't let me, I don't let anybody wear number eighty eight. But you got to remember also too, you know, Bob Hayes wore twenty two and Emmitt Smith wore twenty two, and both of those are Hall of Fame. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and Bob Hayes and Bob Hayes was a gold medalist winner. You know, in the '64 Olympics, right. he won the gold medal on your dad, and he won a Super Bowl in '71 with the, with, the, with the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. and in '78. The, the, so you know, yeah, it's 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 interesting. So, you know, so, so who so who gets the credit for '22? Emmitt Smith or Bob Hayes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, they each I mean, get I, a two. I, I <laughs> <laughs> we don't see but, you know, we don't Bob see double Hayes, zeros out there anymore. <laughs> Bob Hayes is a better athlete than Emmitt Smith because he was a world he was a world class sprinter who yeah, could play today. Did he dance with the stars? <laughs> well, he danced with the stars. He did all that stuff. <laughs> he danced with the stars and stuff. Uh, Ad, before before we shift to uh, to the NCAA, uh, anything else on the NFL you want to talk about? The NFL, yeah. Well, it's one story I want people to know, and I can I can tell it. And you know, I should have said it years while he was living. Is I don't know if anybody knows it, but I'm gonna let this know. When I was finishing with the Rams, Jerry Buss wanted to buy the Rams. The late Jerry Buss. Jerry Buss wanted to buy the Rams. He wanted to buy the Rams, and I was the guy in the middle. I arranged a meeting with Jerry Buss and Steve Rosenblum, the late Carol Rosenblum's son. And he said to me, he "said If I can buy these Rams, would you come back to play?" Play for Los Angeles. If you get this team, Jerry, I'd love to play for you. And he was he was a, he was a, a, a he was inches away from getting that team. She refused to sell it to him. But under the situation where I understand, back in the day, uh, Steve Roseman had the first right of refusal to buy the team if, if the team was going for sale. So he tried to push the issue and say, you know, he you know he would like to uh, own his team in, in honor of his father. But it didn't work out. Jerry Buston and met. I was there. And, uh, and if he'd have got that team, I just want people to know the LA, the, the team would be in LA today, and they probably won maybe one, two, or three even Super Bowls. That's how good of a manager he is, a management owner that he was. I'm telling you, the guy was unbelievable. And, and, and now the, the Lakers are suffering because he's not here. I mean, I, I, know, I know Jeannie, I, I know her well. I don't know the, 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 the brother. But I'm telling you, if he was still alive, you know, the Lakers would be in much better shape. And I can tell you, if he'd owned the football team, it, L.A. history would have been totally different with there. And, and, and I often dream about how he would have used me and played me. I just want everybody to know that. Well, Jerry a, Buck almost owned L.A. Rams. Got some inside baseball shit there. Um, before we, we move to the NF, uh, NCAA uh, football, I just got to say, I don't know Jeannie Buss, but I think if Jeannie Buss had complete control of that team, they'd be doing all right. Yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my theory. Absolutely. I mean, why Phil Jackson's not in that organization? I have no clue. And and you know, a lot of people try to speculate, but I think it's just a family rip. I mean, that's my personal thing, and what I believe. I just think it's an ego thing in the matter. I think he's intimidated by uh, Phil Jackson. Myself. I mean, he, how, how wouldn't he? Eleven eleven NBA titles. Coach co- coach, obviously the greatest basketball players, Michael Jordan. Then coach another second tier of Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant. I mean, come on. Come on, man! You left I mean, off. You left off Dennis Rodman, man. He's the only one who can yeah. control Dennis. <laughs> yeah, 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 I take that back. Yeah, Detroit, Detroit did okay too. 
Well, you know, look, come on, Jimmy. You can say whatever you want about Dennis Trump. He's one of the great defenders and rebounders in NBA history. I mean, with the Pistons and the Bulls and stuff. So, I mean, you got you got to give his credit where it's due. You know, yeah, I've he been was, a Dennis fan for years. He was good. Uh, I don't know about I don't know about him going to North Korea, but he was good. <laughs> <laughs> Misguided. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we're talking about what they do yeah. on the hardwood. Um, let's talk about your alma mater, man. They, I know you know this. You got to play the whole game. You you can't play uh, fifty nine minutes of a sixty minute game. You can't play fifty eight minutes of sixty minute game. You got to play until the whistle's blown. What what's the deal with SC in close games this year, man? Well, man, you got to play quarter to quarter, you know, especially when the tight games, when tight it goes down to four or five minutes, and you got to play quarter to quarter. You got, you know, you got to, you got to have a good chess game, and you know, for some reason. And you know, before I get to that, let me say this: in a lot of ways, I like to see the pack. I like to see the pack two playing with the playing with the other because you never know when we can win who's going to win. I like that aspect of it. But when you have dominant players, especially you can compete with the first twenty-two with anybody. And then when you have a, a, you get off to a great start, you have to maintain that. And you got to always, you know, prepare for the fourth quarter. When you start a football game, you got to prepare for the fourth quarter. Okay, you got to train and play and practice every day for the fourth quarter. I don't know why they don't think. Now, a lot of people say out in the public that he has no identity. And, and he should develop his identity with what with, with, uh, Buck Allen's doing over there. The guy has a thousand yards already. Yeah. And uh, he runs. I mean, you should. You know, a lot of people that have approached me say, Andy, won't they just build the system around Buck Allen and whatever they need to do and, and let Clutch uh, manage the team? Let the quarterback be the, the, the field manager and, and and build a system around this Buck Allen. But it's like people say to me, say, hey, did you there's a run, 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 or fast, fast, fast. Well, they, you got, they got to find a way and get a mix and a balance with your offense because if you don't, it affects their defense, and the defense is staying on the field too long, and you really got to manage the game because you don't have that many scholarship guys. So, therefore, it starts in practice, too. You can't hit them in practice. You got to just keep them conditioned, and you got you to base it, you know, going to this is midseason. These guys are getting tired, and the longer you stay on the field defensively, the more vulnerable you come, and that's where you get beat. And that's half the reason they're getting beat late in the game. They just, some, of the guys, some of the guys are just winded. That's part of the reason. They're just winded, man. They're tired. They're fatigued. Especially you add the travel into that stuff. I mean, man, that's, that's a monster. They've been on the road twice. They're going to Washington State this weekend. So, I mean, let's see what happens. And then, you know, with young kids, sometimes you got to keep their excitement going. And, you know, and the kids on any level, they have to they have to believe in what you're doing. They have to believe in it. I don't care what level. Pop Warner, high school, college pros, you have to believe in what your coach is preaching. If you're losing, they don't understand why you're losing. Now, I mean, one thing, if you understand why you're losing, that's one thing. Well, why are you losing in the fourth quarter with two minutes to go and, and people throwing touchdowns at 10 seconds, a minute left? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a trend. I mean, that's a, that, that's a trend, and they have to stop that trend. And, well, you know, a lot of people say, well, we expected to win this way, and we didn't really supposed to do that. And what we're doing now is really a surprise because of, because of the sanctions and scholarship limitations. You know, you know, a lot of people are rationalizing out. You know, hey, man, look, this is USC. You know, you know and, and traditionally, you know, USC is known to win. Well, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They 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 call a play. I believe it, I believe it went to Nelson Angelar, who had the first down, but he stepped out of bounds. And that's you know that that's nature of the game. Um, so then they you know they had to, they had to get rid of the ball. But 
to, to see, you know, which, which I guess was a gamble, but it, it worked out had he not stepped out of bounds. Um, but you have to have uh, contingencies if you don't get that first down and play some serious defense. And uh, I, I don't know if it's uh, back in my day, it was called a prevent defense. Um, it really doesn't prevent much. When you, get, when you guys are chopping off big, big yardage because you're just trying to protect the, the, the score, you know, you let guys move down, move downfield. Uh, I was watching a game the other day, I believe, uh, the, the Redskins and Cowboy game. Uh, you know, the Redskins were still blitzing and, and whatnot late in the game uh, when, when things were, you know, tight and on the field. They, they're, they're still playing, you know, serious football. Uh, I, I don't like this thing where you lay back and let these guys chomp off big amounts of yards and, and drive downfield. And I think that's what they did and let, and let that game get away from them. Well, you got to remember. You remember also too now. I mean, if, if you don't, if you don't get in control of the game early, and you have a steady quarter-to-quarter game plan, and you stand on the field too long, you give these teams opposition you too much time. Your, de- your defense don't get tired. You can't blitz all the time, you know, because that takes a lot of your defense. But I mean, you got to remember also. You got to get fed to these other teams now too. I mean, you know, Utah is not a bad program, and you know, and, and as I said until before, week to week, anybody can beat you. But when you jump off and you have the horses to maintain it, that's when what you're saying, that's when you have to really put the, the, the pedal to the metal and maintain it. And, and that's where, the, that, that's where the, uh, the talent of a coach and the defensive coordinator and what we're talking about, defense, because they, they put up enough points to win. It, it's the talent of the defensive coordinator and to manage the ball players they have in order to win. If you don't manage your players in your time, you're going to lose. I don't care who you are or what kind of team you have. So, you know, that, that's what I see, and that's what I sense. And like I said, I'm not there every day. I don't know what kind of system they're trying to read or what kind of identity they're going to have. But I hear, as you know, people talk and call me all the time. Oh, what happened? I said, well, I just give it to my football knowledge and perspective of what I think they're trying to do and not doing. All, all, all I can tell you, all I can tell you, UFC people, they expect the championships, and they expect you to win. And if you, and if you do lose, lose. What a serious fight. And don't lose this throwing away behind some stuff that people confuse. Why did you do that? And what happened there? And, and... Well, you, you give a good point. And when you talk about uh, people expecting a lot out of their teams, and we, we, can, we can you know walk right across right across town, their crosstown rivals, UCLA struggling this year too. And they, they started off with a bang. Looked like they were going to do, do a whole lot. They, fin- they finished the year last year pretty decent. Uh, what's happening over there, or over there in Westwood? You know, I know Jim Moore, and uh, I've talked to him a few times, and uh, I can tell you they're having some issues too over there. That's really confusing because they got a All-American quarterback, Heisman Trophy candidate over there uh, for first-round draft coming out. And obviously, you know, you can't really put it on him. A lot of people think he's gunshot because he hurt his elbow, but there's something, something's going on. And, and, and of course, that 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 argument on the sideline he had. Wasn't really a good sign with uh, the, the, the defensive coordinator. Yeah, yes, and uh, and you know they got their issues to work out too. But the key is what's going to happen in the long run of the season. No one knows what's going to happen. I'm telling you now, no one's going to know. No one knows what's going to happen the rest of the season. This conference is so up up and down. You don't know what's going to go on. You don't know what's going to happen. You know who knows? I mean. Utah can be the Southern Division champion. Utah can win the Pac-12. Who knows? They could beat Oregon. They could beat Stanford. You never know. You never know. That's how that's how volatile and shaky everything's around the country. 
It's just like the playoffs. They pick four teams. I mean, come on, that's going to change. They How picked, can you do They picked, uh, and let me, before you get into AD, let me tell you the teams they picked for, the, for our listeners. The, uh, the, the playoff committee uh, picked uh, the top four in their, in their lineup there. Mississippi, Mississippi State, number one. Florida State, number two. Auburn, number three. And Ole Miss, number four. And all the rest of them got one loss and one loss, and most of them, and, and they got two one-loss teams, and got and they got uh, all the rest of them got one loss in the top ten or fifteen or whatever it is. They got one losses, and you know, like I said, like you know, let's go back to UCLA. I mean, UCLA, who knows? They can run the table, and, and, and these guys, and some, they can be back in the top five or the top four. You know, you know, that, that's how crazy everything is now. You can, you got teams that are not on the radar can be in the top ten quick. Uh-huh. Because of the way the system is, that's how bad it is. I mean, those those top teams right there could all get beat the next week or two. Then what? Well, what happens then? One of them's getting beat this week coming up because uh, yeah, Mississippi State playing Auburn, Mississippi. I think. Oh, one of those will get beat. Yeah, one of them. Play- it's either Mississippi or Mississippi State that's playing Auburn this week. One already has a one-one loss, and you know, so, so so obviously either 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 one's gonna get beat, one of those gonna drop out of the top four. Or, or one's going to, one of them going to drop out of the top four anyway. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. if Auburn beats, beats Mississippi State, they're out of the top four, and, and, and Auburn moves up. And then if Auburn, if Auburn gets beat by Mississippi State, they fall out. You see, so, you know, I mean, it, it's crazy. I don't even know how you can pick any team, UCLA, Auburn, SC, any of these teams, because of the way it's set up. You got humans picking the top four. That's a, that's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. That's insane. You can't you can't pick it. And like I told you before, you can have fifteen one law teams from 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 the top to the from from number one to fifteen. That's and you see it's looking like that. It Who's undefeated still? Is Florida State still undefeated? Florida State, Florida Mississippi State, State and Marshall are the only three undefeated teams left. And Marshall, where would Marshall end up? The top twenty five. They're like you know number something. <laughs> Thanks. They're down, Thanks they're, they're, they're down in the teens. They're down in the teens. Down, down in the teens. Yeah. But I mean, but, but you got to remember, there's only like he said, there's only three. There's only three undefeated teams. You go ahead, man. Man, listen. You're gonna have, you're gonna have, one loss teams and maybe two loss teams up in the top ten. That could be in the top four. That's that's how crazy it is. That's why I've always said you got to need a full fledged playoff system. You can do it, but you you can't have you can't have a community of people sitting up there. Well, I think so. Come on, it, the, look, the parity is so tight in conference to conference now. I mean, everybody's trying to be psychological and beat up on the Big Twelve and talk about the Pac Twelve and the ACC and the SEC. Hey, man, anybody can win any given day. And this system is it's not going to work either. The BCS was awful. This is better, but it's not going to work either because they're going to say, well, man, look, we were. Can you picture? Can you picture Marshall being undefeated and everybody having no one and they don't have a shot at national championship? That's crazy. Yeah. That ain't fair to them. Do can you, you imagine? Imagine if Alabama has two losses and you got another team that got one loss and they gonna play for the, the championship? That can happen. That can happen. And, and what if you had top four teams that had two losses? That can happen too. Right. <laughs> that can happen too. Do you see? You see? You, do you, you, see you any... can have a dark. You can have a dark horse that can jump straight into the top ten. Ain't you. Utah can jump into the top ten quick. You see, even the team Utah. 
Utah's that plays a good ball, though. Who? Utah. Utah plays great ball. Yeah. They look, they look, everybody, look, everybody has a sense of motivation. When, and even, even, even UFC stumbling in my school and everybody else, that's how tight the Pac-12 is. And that's how tight college football is, period. You know, you know, anybody can win now. I and mean, it's crazy. The parity is getting close. It's getting close now. So, so the top dog coaches are the ones that are really at the test. Saban's right there. You know, Florida State's Jimbo Fish is right there. All these guys. Guy from Oregon is the same way. Stanford's always going to be there. Ohio State's going to be back there. Michigan State's going to be back there. You know, uh, TCU's going to be back there. You know, so, I mean, you know, you just don't know who's going to do what. And they, they, they might as well throw that committee out. That's, that, that's, 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 a, that's a joke to me. And I'm, and I'm sure many people feel the same way I do. Oh. You know, if you want to have a true championship, do a serious playoff system. It's easy to do. And matter of fact, if the NCAA is proud about money and stuff, they'll make even more money if they structure it properly. Oh, absolutely. Two, qu- two quick questions for you, Eddie. Uh, first one is, uh, is there any conference that's head and shoulders above the rest anymore? No. They're all equal as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you might have you might have some bottom ten, some 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 teams in the bottom that you know that are, that are struggling. But the way things are going now, I mean, you know, every, it, to me, everybody's neck and neck. Everybody's neck and neck. I mean, you can probably get an edge with the SEC and whatever they talk, but that's going to be that's coming mythical because they won all these national championships. But but if the system's set up properly, then you would have something different. But I don't believe there's one superior conference or the next. They can say whatever they want. I hear all these commentators talking about the SEC. Well, okay, SEC, okay, yeah, they probably play a little more competitive and stuff like that. But like I tell you before, if they if, if, if they walk into Car Carballas, uh, Oregon, they can get beat too. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you walk into Coliseum, you can get beat too. You can go down to Tempe, Arizona, whoever you are, you can get you can get beat too. You can have Boise State come down to Alabama and beat you. So, so I don't. So I look at the, I look at college football. That's open door and open door competitors. Anybody can win, and, and there's no conference above any conference, as far as I'm concerned. You might give the SEC edge in terms of maybe the wins and national titles based on how the system was set up, but I don't think this superior over anybody else. Last question, Ad. Uh, I watch these games. I watch these collegiate games, and 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 inevitably the announcer says. Uh, so-and-so uh, on, on the visiting team, he, he was highly recruited, but he felt snubbed by this team. So look for him to do some outstanding things this week. You were highly recruited. Does that come into play when you play a team? Do you, do you say, oh, these guys, uh, they didn't really uh, show me the love that I thought they should have, and I'm going to play a better game than I would have played? Uh, does that really come into a, a player's uh, a gameplay, or is that just some bullshit that the announcers like to put out? <laughs> I think that's BS. And I know they're trying to put up. I think all these dot coms of BS they put out and stuff. I believe a lot of these guys don't really do their homework. I believe that a lot of guys don't really do their true scouting. And then, frankly, it's like any other business. I think some people just flat out incompetent, don't know what they're doing, and they, they and they overlook some of these these talented players and stuff because, like I said before, I mean, you know, what's the difference between a kid from Florida, to Florida, from a kid in California? Same. You, you got to really do your homework. I'm sure they might be. A kid might be hitting sort of the next person, but the bottom line is you got to do your really homework when you're scouting these kids. You can't go by these so-called experts who've never even played a damn game of football. You got some of them people out there. Yeah, you got right. people generalizing kids and everybody. Else. They ain't never played a game of football. 
So first of all, in, in my opinion, you got if you play the game, then you can analyze. If you ain't playing the game, you're a book. If you one of these book guys and stuff, reading or not, you have to sit there, done that to analyze anybody. I don't care what any level you are. They go from high school to the pros, you know, and that's why every some some people get 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 schools get top players because they do their homework and they do precisely the work to check out this kid, his speed, his technique, his blocking thing, whatever he's catching, his running, everything, the whole deal, and how he's trained in his high school system. Now, if you get a raw talent athlete to come out of the school, if you say that you can, this kid can finish with some work, then you can do that. But if you want a kid, you ain't getting too much of that. Yeah. If you want a kid college, that means, that means you've got to really study the system that he's in coming out of high school. And, you know, like I told you, these dot-com things, I don't, I don't get that stuff, man. I'm, maybe I'm a hide-and-seek. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I doubt it. Well, I tell you what, I, I, you gotta, you got to give the, the schools in Florida credit, man, because their rosters are full of kids from Florida. Uh, you, 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 watch, uh, you watch FSU play or Florida, uh, Florida or Miami. I mean, their rosters are just loaded with kids, uh, local kids, man. And, 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 and I guess Nebraska is pretty similar to that too, so. Well, they, you know, they've got all, all 11 kids there that can play D1 football in any given year. Yeah. Well, you got to figure, you know, Florida kids, Texas kids, California kids, those, those kids come out of some good high school systems, and, you know, and that's, and that's how they develop all these dot-coms and all this kind of stuff, you know. But you take Florida, like you said, you know, they have good programs, and, they, and that's why they fill the programs. But these kids, you see these kids acclimated to these systems they go to anyway. Looking at Florida State, Florida, whatever it is, and, you know, Florida's fell off a little bit. But, but overall, these kids – know the systems there. They know what to expect when they come to the school. Same with the Texas schools. You go to TCU or Texas or Baylor, whatever, those schools there, uh, Texas A&M, these kids follow these programs for three or four years in high school, and, and they know what they expect when they get to that college. Same thing with out here in the, on the West. You know, they know the Stanford. They know the Oregon. They, they, know, they know the FC. They know the Utah. So, you know, that's it. But then, you know, a lot of it comes into, like we talked earlier, another thing was the scouting. And uh, like you said, they have, they, have, they have a stockpile of talent in Florida. I have yeah. to give it to them. I don't know who's strong. Florida, California, Texas, they're all neck and neck. You know, I said I had two questions, but you mentioned something, and I just got to ask about it. TCU, man, are they, are they just surprising or what? I mean, these guys are they're just, like, just playing some outstanding ball, and they're, just, they're putting up numbers that just – you just don't normally see anymore. I mean, these guys are just running up the score and just beating people into submission. Oh, you know, absolutely. I mean, just you know, like I like like you said before. Look, these all these programs are coming up. There's more talent out there now. There's more players out there. So these teams are going to they're going to they're going to follow up and they're going to build their program. And TCU is one of, one of those. They're killing people. They're bringing they run up. Sometimes they can't stop anybody, but they're still putting the points up. <laughs> Well, y'all got to score more than the other guys. So, <laughs> but, but, but 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 to me, that's exciting football, and I and I love the parody of football. That's why even more so, like you said, we need a playoff system. Yeah, you know, I mean, TCU can run the rest of the time. Where are you gonna put them? Yeah, TCU has a good program. Yeah, and and it's making it more competitive in Texas for that talent because their programs are coming up. Yeah, it's no, it, you know, there's no more Texas domination. There's no more Texas and domination. Baylor, you got TC, you got a you got you got Houston down there. 
You know, you so you got you know a lot of programs that get they're getting these kids and uh and they're doing well. And that's happened like that all over the country. Nice. A D at the Tilted Kilton Orange Saturday. What time are you rolling up there Saturday, man? So our listeners can come up there and and, and hang with the uh the famous Anthony Davis. Well, no, I'm gonna be there this weekend. Uh they they, they got some issues with the uh the the, the, the cage fighting and stuff, so I won't be there this week, and I wanted to tell you that I won't be there. Oh, wow. Well, they got some uh, MMA shit going on? Yeah, a lot of it overwhelming. I think so, you know, I, they took a, we took a break on that. All right. But I'll keep, I will keep the public posted and uh, let them know. I'm telling you I won't be there this weekend. All right, Eddie. Hey, man, as always, uh, thanks for joining us, and, and, and we will talk to you again next week. Uh, 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 we are... We're going to have a, a, a lot of guests next week, and, and you're going to be following up a, a guy you've probably heard of. Uh, Bob Case will be coming back on the show next week, and uh, you'll, be yeah. coming at, you'll be following him up, so uh, we'll have plenty to talk about. Okay. All right. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Catch you next time, Eddie. Anthony Davis. Uh, USC. You're listening to Swoops on the Talk Story Radio Network. Uh, T-Bone and I are going to take a quick break, and we'll come back and be doing a little bit of T-Bone's timeout. This here is uh, Mary Schultz. And, oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, last day. Oh, where are we at here? I'm all messed up. Whoa, all right. Whoa. See, you scroll down, you get lost. You're having too much where, fun with your scroll uh, buttons I, over I there. I am, man. I'm getting, way, I'm getting way too far ahead here. Yeah, you are. We back things up just a wee bit. Here we are, right here. There, Mark Platt, my one true love. Back mm. after this. This train left the station It's too much education for my soul You can sense my frustration And feel the desperation of lost control You're my
Sometimes careless and sometimes free That grateful feeling washes over me And I want you to love children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. I'm one out of every four children in America, and I'm struggling with hunger. I'm lucky to grow up where I could be whatever I want. I want to grow up and be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for kids like me. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Ronnie Wood of The Stones for RAD. You know it's okay to rock and roll and party, because I do it all the time. Just let someone else do the driving. That's what I do. Remember, rock lives, and you should too. Please don't drink and drive. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Talk Story Radio. Talk Story Radio. Hello, this is James Eday from the Dub Rock Duo. Just wanted to let you know that you're listening to Swoop World. Uh, you know that sound? It's time for sports with T-Bone's timeout. Or as we say it here, it's T-Bone's timeout. Oh, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Oh, we're back from a fun little break here, and... It pains me to say it, but my favorite month in sports has almost <laughs> come to an end. Uh, See, my favorite month, my favorite, I guess you're right, the month, you have a month, yes, exactly, because you have all the other sports, mm-hmm. go, everything's going on at the same time. My bad. Never yeah, mind. it's okay. You know, today marks the official last day of baseball season. Uh, game 7 of the World Series, and, you know, Game 7 is always 
a treasure for a baseball fan because it's not a guarantee. No, and, no, heck no. <laughs> and for a ball player, you got to think, especially if it's your first time in a World Series, uh, that's that's a treasure <laughs> yeah. as well. And you know, we were, we were watching. You know, we had our eyes on the game with the sound off. You know, we were catching bits and pieces of it here during the show because the game the game started at five oh seven Pacific time. It continued. Uh, a good ways into our broadcast this evening, and uh, we caught, uh, like I said, bits and pieces. I, I I watched a little more of it probably, but I will say that with two outs in the bottom of the ninth, Ooh. when uh, Alex Gordon came up to the plate for the Royals, down a run, nobody on, two outs, this is it. Uh, he had a fun little at bat, and he poked what probably should have been a single, and stretched it into three bases uh, on the strength of a couple of questionable fielding decisions by the Giants outfield. Um, but that's that's a moment that he will definitely never forget, and it's probably going to piss him off for a long time, just thinking, like, man, I'm on third base. Put me in. Get us one more inning. Um, but Madison Bumgarner, who was brought in in the fifth, uh, saves the day. The Giants win the World Series for the third time in five years, three to two, over the Kansas City Royals, who were hoping uh, for another another bout of Game Seven magic. Uh, their last time in Game Seven of the World Series, of course, being 29 years ago. But who's counting? <laughs> None of the players on the Royals, because only a handful of them could count that high. <laughs> Just because they're so young. I'm not saying anything about their intelligence. Uh, it sounds like you were, man. Uh, you are questioning their, uh, their acceptance in the Menza or something. Maybe, maybe <laughs> a smidge. But um, hats off to Bochi and the Giants, uh, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, officially the best team in baseball this season. You got to get, like we were saying earlier, you got to give credit. Well, the, the team did great, but you got to give some, some props to Bumgarner, man. The guy was just amazing all year long. Yeah, uh, they actually posted a stat on the screen later in the game that said he was the only the third pitcher in history to start and win two games in the World Series and pitch three or more innings of relief in the same World Series. Um, and Cy Young was one of the guys on that list, oh, yeah. and I don't remember the name of the other guy, somebody back like in the 19-teens. So um, even though we've, it's been a, you know, a, a recurring trend, especially you know, we've had guys come in and pitch in relief after successful starts in the World Series, but nobody, nobody has done it to the magnitude that this guy did uh, in a long, long time. Yeah, and his ERA in the world in World Series games is far under one. It starts with zero point. So, uh, <laughs> zero point five something. So Madison Bumgarner, uh, he has figured out a way to pitch in the playoffs and the World Series in particular. Uh, he's a, just some of its timing, you know. Jake Peavy yesterday. Jake Peavy, who's been a great pitcher for a long time in baseball. Uh, had a painful, painful outing. I think it's, they got shut out 10 zip or something. 10 0 was game six in favor of Kansas City, and uh, PV went one and one third innings. That's, that's kind of, um, that's, that's not a good feeling. Man. No. And in that one third of 
the second inning that he pitched, I think he threw 42 pitches. Um, All dressed up and nowhere to stay. Nowhere. <laughs> so, it, I got to give, you know, I, I am happy that this game was competitive and close in Game 7 because this has been a oh very weird series. You know, you're right because I, I was watching it, right, and the Giants went up 2-zip. And I was, you know, doing some, I was, you know, multitasking, right? Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden it's 2-2. Two, two. I mean, mm-hmm. in the same inning. Yeah. It's like, wow, wow. And then like a couple innings, then it's 3-2. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. yeah uh, very and, clear. you know, we only had two games in this series decided by less than five runs. Wow. And that was game three, I believe. Nah, well. I don't know. The Royals won three to two in one of those games, and then the, the Giants win tonight three to two. Um, other than that, we had a handful of blowout type games. You know, five, six, seven, ten run margins of victory, and uh, that's you know, not not what you expect when you think of a series going seven games. You think it's going to be you know back and forth, but competitive every game. Um, this was. Definitely atypical in a lot of ways. Yeah, but uh, but look, you know the thing about the World Series, the you know besides the, all the pomp and circumstance, it's that whole because the American League does American League has designated hitter and mm-hmm. the National League doesn't, and that that whole dynamic there um, I always find interesting. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. I think they should just go one one year. It's with designated hitters and next, as, as as opposed to ballparks, um, I think it makes more competitive in my in my opinion. That way. Mm. I don't know. I I think it would be a shame to shut any side out, out completely for, for the entire season. Yeah, because so, because these pitchers in the National League that do I mean they can hit. Bumgarner has gone deep. I think he hit four home runs this season. As a pitcher, who only you know he only pitched in thirty-five games, he had four dingers. Um, that's better than a couple position players on the squad, and you know with a fifth as many games to play. And for the guys that can do it, I, I think it would be a major disservice to the sport. You know, um, granted, Bumgarner was on the hill for part of the game tonight, and no opportunity to bat because he's in. Granted, they they could have. Use the DH on somebody else. Yeah, that's the thing that people don't think about. You can let your hitter, you can let your pitcher hit, and you can DH for somebody else. Oh, really? You can. You can DH for whoever the hell you want. What it's else? just that, generally speaking, you know, you don't because yeah. you've got a guy who's only in the lineup every fifth day. Why would you? Why would you put him in for somebody? When Which you is kind of interesting because a lot of these pitchers were their best high school athlete, or the mm-hmm. best high school athlete, right? Mm-hmm. They're they were a lot. Uh, uh, I can think of a big percentage of time they were the high school quarterback. Yeah. You know they, they're they're athletes. Yeah. You know they they can hit. They can you know they can do a lot of things other than just pitch. Mm-hmm. But by the time they get to the big leagues, they're so specialized that they're not up. You know, like you said, they're only they're only get at the bat every fourth game. You know, depending yeah. on where they are in the rotation in the National League. Mm-hmm. If they're playing American League ball, they're not hitting at all. You know, unless they're just taking batting practice for the fun of it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I I think that's. Like you said, these are guys who were the they were the best from the time they were eight years old until yeah. twenty two years old, you know. And when they're in 
little league and high school and sometimes even college, these guys are out in the field when they're not on the, on the hill. Exactly. And you know, when you're people in, forget when, it, you, babe when, Ruth. You're in, when you're in little league, you're, <laughs> if you're the best pitcher, then you know, for half the game you're pitching, and they only let you pitch half the game. So then you're either catching or playing shortstop or playing first base, maybe. But you get in high school, and it's like you're pitching and playing shortstop or center field. You get into college, you still see some guys who are pitching, and then they're out there in center field or right field because they're they're just that guy. You know? Yeah. And you don't see that much in in the bigs, but you do see guys occasionally who, especially when you get into games where you're really pulling some serious substitution strings, <laughs> you got guys that you say, you know what, I can put him out there in the outfield, and he's not a liability, right? Because he played at a high level for a long time, so. Um, it's interesting when you watch a sport, whether it's baseball or football or whatever. Mostly baseball and football because basketball and other sports don't lend themselves to this type of thing. But, you know, you'll see where you'll be watching a football game and, you know, white second string receiver, you know, all of a sudden he's taking the snap. And, you know, you hear, you know, he was a collegiate All-American, you know, quarterback, right? And he, he's taking a snap for one play, throws deep, you know, you know, perfect spiral, same thing. And you'll see the same thing in baseball mm-hmm. at times. Like you say, you'll, sometimes they, guys are getting knocked out of the park and all of a sudden, they, you know, the, the center fielder is out there in, on the mound and you find out he pitched in college or he pitched in, uh, yeah. you know, high school. And these guys, you know, they, they, they do get moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's one of the beauties of sport. <laughs> oh man, I can't say anything else about this World Series. I really, I really can't. <laughs> but needless to say, we were on opposite uh, opposite sides of the we stadium. That's what we're. Yeah. Yeah, so we're um, I know you were for California. Yeah, yeah. I told you. You know my, you know my, mm-hmm. uh, my, my, my system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yankees go out. I root for any California team that's in it. If multiple California teams are in it. I root for the closest one, which happens to be the Dodgers, right? And, and then uh, the, you know, if the Angels are in it, and then uh, you know, kind of move. I start moving outward. So uh, as we got down to the series, uh, the the last standing California team were the uh, Giants. So they got my support. It's like a whole different California, though. <laughs> We've all had fun up in the north. Oh, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> I've had a lot of fun in the Bay. Yes, we have. Uh, i got to admit it. I cannot deny that fact. Oh, God. Did you get much of a chance to watch the NFL on Sunday? Yes. Refresh I, my memory what games were on TV. It's, hard, it's hard, hard for me to tell you. Oh, uh, yeah, you were out of I it. I was asleep. You were out of it. I saw... I saw, uh, I saw uh, Packers played. The Packers played the Saints on yeah. Sunday I night. Saw, I, I saw think. some. Of, I saw some of that Everybody from says. from my seat at the uh, at the tilt at the uh, Tavern and Bowl, which has a shitload of TVs. Yeah. Uh, it, you know what? We ought to make a road trip down there one night and uh, just kind of chill and enjoy uh, the, the grub, the beer. I was drinking a Firestone 805s mm-hmm. on tap. Nice. Uh, everything they have on tap is craft brew, except for they have a, a Budweiser. There's two that are not craft brews. And the Bud Light and Budweiser. There's two that are not craft brews. No PBR. All, all the rest is all craft. Yeah, no, no PBR. And uh, the menu's awesome. And there's a boatload of TVs with a million things happen. I was watching the World Series and the uh, the uh, the late game. 
uh, as well as I believe a basketball game at the same time. Oh so, yeah, yeah. The NBA is back. Yeah, twenty going up now. Ah, uh, well, for the for the true TV NFL junkies, this weekend was uh, I who else tough watched. to tough to beat. I mean, because we I had saw the Thursday that game. night game, which I saw that one I as saw well. That game. And then on Sunday, things got started very early. Well, uh, no, I because saw because the Falcons and the Lions played. I in saw the last London five minutes of that yes. game. I didn't know. Oh, look at that! I didn't know it was on. <laughs> uh, the Falcons and the Lions. That one kicked off at six. 30 Pacific time, I believe. Whatever it was, I, I usually tune to the NFL at 10. This is what time they come uh-huh. on. And it was like the last five minutes of yeah. that game. <laughs> and that game got an early start, and the Lions lining up for a field goal uh, to try to win the game. They got a delay of game yes. penalty and did not get the snap off and had to move the kick back five yards. On that snap, when they move, when they didn't get it off in time, the kicker misses it from 43, um, five yard penalty, and then he tries again from 48. They get the snap off in time, and he makes it, and the Lions win 22 to 21 on the wet Wembley turf because they have to. You know, I don't think good weather is part of you know the United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> orthodontics at least. <laughs> but I mean, I, every time I've I didn't watch this game. I watched the wrap up, you know. But every every one of these London games that I've watched, this is the nicest, most expensive stadium in their entire country, and it's a beautiful stadium. And the grass is always very, very green, but the dirt is very, very black because it's wet all the time. And this was no exception. It was. I don't think it actually rained during the game. But it's just, I wouldn't want to run around on that field. I mean, and it, this isn't like sprightly little 175-pound European soccer players either. This is 340-pound mammoths trudging up and down the same 8-yard wide strip of the field. <laughs> the time. So I think that, you know, especially if I were a soccer player over there if i was in the the premier league i'd be like get those fuckers off of our field man <laughs> isn't that where the, the beatles played or something that's where that it's they're good they're named for, known for concerts before and, and, and well soccer. but they, they concerts and soccer they, right? they rebuilt yeah but they rebuilt wembley it's like the new yankee stadium oh, okay. they, they built a new one in the same general area they i don't know if they knocked the old one down and built it right on top or if they built it next to Across it like the, street. the yankees did but uh, this one is, they built it in like 2004, 2002, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's been, I mean, I think that they've had Popes there, they've had the Beatles there, they've had, it's 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 like the, it's the, spot. the venue of, of the UK, yeah. yeah. So, um, Ooh, fancy computer, I tapped it twice, it all exploded. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Mind blown. It's like my iPad. <laughs> um, no, more like my phone, actually, I think. <laughs> my words with friends. <laughs> I was never all that good at that. I don't think, I think it's because, even though I, you know, I would look you at have it. An, play, you have a substantial vocabulary. You I, be great but I would look at it and play a good word. But I wouldn't always factor in the... Triple letter. The triple letter yeah, and the double do, word and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you gotta do that, man. And then I always... The, the thing with words with friends is that... You have no friends? Well, no. It's <laughs> that, 
my friends are shysty motherfuckers <laughs> and they're cheating. Ah, see, there you it's go. It's not like playing a real game of Scrabble <laughs> right. where it's like, what can you do with your hands out here and your brain right here? Uh-huh. It's, oh, I've got, oh, I might play another turn tomorrow sometime. Well, let me, there's one member of the, 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 the crew who's not here right now whose name will not be uh, uttered at this point. Uh, I make a move. He might wait three days to make a move, and then he's got a seven-letter word. Drops a bingo on you, huh? I'm, 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 I'm just a little concerned about his techniques there. Mm, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I would be concerned as well. Uh, I watched the Seahawks game. I watched the... Uh, uh, the Rams Falcons. The I, I saw the Falcons play, too. That's just the end of it, though. Because the Falcons lost. Not the Falcons, the uh, the Eagles. Oh, the Eagles, that's right. And Ooh. I watched the Dallas game. How about the end of the Vikings-Bucks game? This one goes I didn't to, see that. This one goes to overtime. Two bad football teams. Um, the Buccaneers are at home against... Just that... I mean, they're granted, they're a lost... Their season is lost. <laughs> but they're playing at home against a hapless Vikings squad. And they managed to squeak into overtime on the strength of a 13-point fourth quarter. It was 13 to nothing going into the fourth. They tie it up at 13 apiece. The most impressive thing they've done all season. And then they win the toss in overtime. They receive the kickoff. And on like the second play from scrimmage in, in overtime, fumble. And the Vikings scoop and score for the W. Um... They have no. They have nobody there to make. We have Adrian Peterson. Peterson, right? Peterson's out. Um, in the quarter, isn't their starting quarterback hurt? They've gone through a few this season. They had uh, Christian Ponder at one point. They they wow, kind of given up on. Given up on <laughs> they had Matt Castle for a while. Yeah. Uh, they they've got Teddy Bridgewater, who's their rookie. You know, he was a high draft pick for them this season. Uh, he he played fairly well. Really? For a rook, you know, 24 of 42, 241 yards passing and a touchdown. I, 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 they're not showing a pick on this, so I don't know if he threw any INTs, but I get the feeling if you, if you go four quarters with 13 points, there's some turnovers there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's just – to win the toss in overtime and fumble and then just, oh, yeah, go ahead, go just score. That's yeah. <laughs> um, – that's a brutal one. The Bengals and the Ravens, that's you know, that's becoming a fun divisional rivalry. You know, for for the last 10 years, the Ravens and the Steelers has been the let's see who can just make somebody piss more blood the next day. Before you, game. before you move forward, can we can we put a, a moratorium on those goddamn throwback uniforms for the, the Steelers? The Bumblebee prisoner <laughs> ones. Yeah. yeah. I I think they are they're just ugly. It looks like they should be playing rugby in exactly in somewhere in Wales or something. You know, like go. Yeah. All right, sorry, sorry. No, yeah, yeah. I, I saw a guy wearing the wearing that jersey in Gallagher's a few weeks ago. Uh, Who buys that? Like the players don't even want to wear these. They serve them. Yeah. Get out. Surprised, you know, it's a Niners bar apparently. Yeah, that was enough reason for me not to go back anytime. <laughs> they do have a good shepherd's pie there. 
Yeah? Yeah. We'll have to I'm try. not a huge Shepherd's Pie fan, but, because, uh, I mean, let me take it back. I'm not a huge Shepherd's Pie fan at restaurants, because usually they're pretty sh- crappy. Mm-hmm. But they actually, they make a decent one over there at Gallery. Hmm. Something to try. Yeah. All right, I'm down. Yeah. Um, the Dolphins. They still playing football? They are. Oh, okay. You know, sort of. <laughs> um, they benefited from uh, getting to beat up on their in-state rival. <laughs> rival. <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars, who really played the best defensive game of their season, but gave the game to the Dolphins on turnovers. The Dolphins had two pick sixes. Uh, and they won by two touchdowns. So, two pick sixes. Go figure on that. Yeah, nice. Um, the Bears and the Patriots. Bears and the Patriots. That you one. see the you see the uh, the the Instagram with uh, Tom Brady and uh, no. Giselle. Oh, was he? They were all uh, up in uh, up in arms. I, I I don't know whatever. At the uh, right after the game, there's a picture of him and uh, Giselle, and I think he's holding the baby. And he's got the number. He's got the the, the five uh, TVs. Mm. She's got the number one thing going on. And yeah. Everybody was all. Ooh. I was like, yeah. He just he just yeah. routed he yeah. just routed the Bears. If I just threw five touchdown <laughs> yeah. passes and then got to go uh, take a picture with my model wife. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'd probably be pretty pretty much have a big shitty grin on my face too. So. Oh, yeah, the, the Patriots scored early and, and often. often. <laughs> uh, it was thirty-eight to seven at halftime. You said rumors about my demise are, gra- you know, greatly exaggerated. Right? Greatly exaggerated. And Gronkowski on the receiving end He's of three beast. of those five touchdown passes. And there was only one where it was, because I saw the highlights of this. There was only one where it was obvious offensive pass interference. But I mean. That if you if you look at the touchdowns that receivers are catching in the NFL today, there's a lot of hands. You, you look at you look at the penalties that are being called on defensive backs. You know, especially this year with this new emphasis on illegal contact, these receivers are guilty of. More egregious violations on every single catch. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Espe- especially with this new, I mean, not new, but like with offensive coordinators and quarterbacks realizing mm-hmm. that the rules are stacked in their favor more than ever, and they're going more and more to this back shoulder throw, and it's like, oh, go ahead, keep a step on me, that's fine. Here's two more steps. Exactly. While I push off your ass. You actually have and then catch it. There. You actually almost have to. You have to push the guy down. Yeah. For them to throw a flag. Yeah. There, because they're all pushing off. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I love the Chargers and Antonio Gates, but he's just guilty of it. Oh, Gates. And Gates. You know, Gates the thing is, is, Gates Gates is Gates? more subtle. He uses his ass as much as his arms. But I tell you what about Gates? As much as he's doing it, as much as anybody else. Guy catches passes that there's no humanly way possible to catch he, passes. He has he has like a more advanced physics processor yes. in his brain because he times jumps. He times his jumps in ways that other players just can't. And he gets his body around. Yeah, he, he knows how to use that thing. Yeah, he's, he's got a big big ass body to begin with, and he just I mean he is absolutely in tune with how to use. You it think it's because because he was a he was a collegiate basketball player. Yeah, too, right? he played basketball he, at Kent he, State. He plays tight end mm. 
like a power forward. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He he clears his way mm-hmm. and he gets like you said. He gets that. He that boxes height. out. He exactly. Uses, he uses his ass. <laughs> he gets his space. He times his jumps. Yes, indeed. He throws the the perfectly timed and placed elbow every now and then, which we'll get more to when we talk about the NBA in a minute. Um, Props to him, though. You're yeah. right. You're right, though. The advantage receiver on these on these calls. Man. Yes. Um, unless you're a receiver for the Jets. <laughs> Then nobody can actually. Can you throw suck any? Well, you can suck more if you're in Oakland. But can you suck any more than the Jets the if you're only, not in Oakland? The only way that the Jets are better than the Raiders is the fact that they have a one in the win column. Otherwise, I think if you put these two teams on the field together right now, the Raiders would win nine to zero. If, because Janikowski if, if would, if Janikowski would kick three 65-yard field goals. That's true. <laughs> Neither team would get past the 40-yard <laughs> This would be an awful football game. Uh, Jets, Jets are like, so Sanchez. <laughs> one, one, of my, one, like of my one of my coworkers was like, oh, dude, the Jets are going to romp the Bills this weekend. They just got Percy Harvin. I'm like, do you think that Percy Harvin, in his current state of mind, <laughs> is really going to contribute anything to this clusterfuck of a football team that yeah. you're talking about? It's like, no, the Jets are going to yeah. take it. I was like, no, dude, the Bills are the Bills are a decent football team. And, the, and didn't they and route them? Didn't the Bills did. route them? The Bills yeah. destroyed yeah. the Jets. Uh, Vic had, I think, a pick and two fumbles. And Gino had, I think... Gino had three picks three, in the first quarter. Three picks in seven pass attempts or something Yeah, like in that. the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're like... they're, 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 they're they, the, the Jets had six turnovers. Yeah. And if, it was... It was just... I think the Jets are sending out uh, recall notices to Sanchez and Tebow. <laughs> well, and at least with Sanchez, they saw what they had and they said, no, we're good. He took them to the playoffs tw- uh, twice? With Tebow, they never even gave it a chance. They never gave him just, a chance, period. Yeah, right? You're right about that. I mean, that's just a shame. Just a waste. But so is that whole organization right now. Yeah, they, I they, think that they, Rex, they Ryan, Rex Ryan will not be a head coach in the NFL this time next season. Probably not this time next month, to be honest. Joe but, Willie's just wandering the sidelines. I don't know what to do. <laughs> He can't even harass. He can't even harass female reporters because nobody gives a shit about him anymore. What do you mean the hot Hispanic reporters aren't coming around nowadays? Univision doesn't want to cover us. Oh god! Uh, the Cardinals. In Cardinals a, are in a, good, in man. The Battle of the Birds. And that yeah. was a that was a game between two five and one division leading or tied for the division lead teams. I just want to say Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer can play some ball. He still can play some ball. And he's starting to figure out that Larry Fitzgerald's not a bad receiver. <laughs> yeah, what the, the, what, first three, what the hell was that? The first that, three or four games of the season. He wouldn't throw to him at all. Fitzgerald was targeted like four times. Yeah, he was, he was barely getting his one catch a game. And uh, you know what? This game, that game had just superstars everywhere. I mean, you've got LaShawn well, McCoy, who really is kind of st- Stumbling his way through this season, um, he. It's tough when you watch a running back. I mean, and he's on the young end for this phenomenon. But when you watch a running back, when you watch his his career fade away, 
in the in the span of less than a season. Yeah, you know, because we've seen it with guys like Sean Alexander oh. up in Seattle yeah. set the set the single season touchdown record, and the next season, you know, he went from scoring thirty one touchdowns in a season to scoring like eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, 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 you see, see it. Speaking of Seattle, I mean, you're not seeing Marshawn Lynch doing anything this year, really. No. And they say he not he. I think his contract's up. I was reading a a, a, a opinion piece that said he, he he will not be a Seahawk next year. Yeah, I think that's that's a common theme right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that I think it's it's hard for me to think of him in the same. I mean, it, it's hard to think to see any of these guys and think of this happening because they they go out and do these superhuman things, right? And then humanity and mortality hits them in such a hurry. I mean, these guys go from being bigger, stronger, faster, smarter, better at this whole sport than everybody on the field to being another guy who's two steps behind. And it happens for this position faster, more dramatically than any other position on the field. Yeah. And, you know, we've witnessed it time and again with guys and, He's one where you've seen him literally perform superhuman feats. I mean, that run he had against the Saints in you know the playoffs three or four years ago yeah. was just obscene. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was on YouTube. Yeah. It was made all the highlight yeah. reels. And, and oh my, some of those YouTube narrations were so much fun. Yeah. Little boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's remind you real quick before you go. I think I I think when I was talking to AD, I said by uh, the uh, the. Uh, Football life was. Did I say Ladainian Thomason? You did. I, I met Terrell Davis. I, I met Terrell Davis because Ladainian Thomason had he had migraine problems. Now, I was well, I was but, talking about Terrell Davis is what I meant, and that was my bad. Well, I, I knew you weren't talking about Ladainian Thomason once you said Super Bowl. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was it was, it was Terrell Davis, and, yeah. and, and and I'll get back to that in a second. I'm sorry, brother. It's all good. It just hit me, man. So my mind works. <laughs> It's a pinball. Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the pinball thought process. You know, from this bumper to that bumper. Exactly. To this buzzer and this thing thing, and there's a bright light here. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals on top of the NFC West. Yes. The Jets on the bottom of pretty much everything. They're above the dirt for the moment. But, um, boy, the Steelers, holy crap for crap. They, they they beat up on old Andrew Luck there, didn't they? Yeah, and they, you know, Luck had his moments throughout the game, but this was a Roethlisberger, team. man. He threw, what, 500-plus? Uh, 522-yard yeah. passing, six touchdowns, 40 of 49 on the day. Really? That's, that's uh, beast mode right there, yeah. bro. That's... Goddamn! <laughs> I, I don't know how to how else to describe that. That's just absurd. Um, in a game where I thought that, you know, last week the Steelers, the Steelers had they were down thirteen to nothing against Houston, and then through the benefit of some Houston generosity. <laughs> they managed to score 24 points That's in right. three minutes. I forgot about that. That's right. And, they drove right downfield. And just... and it, yeah, and there were three and a half minutes left in the half, and they were down 13 nothing. And then they kick a field goal, got a turnover. Right. 
scored a touchdown. And they were able, turnover, they were uh, they were also able to stop JJ Watt from uh, yeah doing what he does best and second yeah. that's they second to the keep him from harassing. Yeah. And all right, so there's a Roethlisberger highlight from this game on on Sunday, where some defender for the Colts gets him around the ankles, and Ben Roethlisberger does like. A little girl hop, like he's <laughs> doing a jump rope at recess out on the playground. Double dutch. <laughs> a little hoppity hop, and then he scoots over a little bit and throws on the run across his, like, doesn't set his feet. Just heaves up, again, a playground kind of throw. Yeah. And Antonio Brown goes up and just makes a stupid catch. I mean, the whole thing was just the kind of thing that you draw up in the dirt. And it's, it, it is funny to watch. And, uh, the Steelers, looking like a team that has a pulse and actually wants to win football games, I think Mike Tomlin is probably going to, you know, the bags might go down under his eyes a little bit. He looks pissed off all the time, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. Um, he, and Ashley made a comment a few weeks ago. That guy's just got crazy eyes. All the time. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, the first month of the season, he usually wears Ray Bans because it's still bright out. <laughs> but, you know, the sun disappears in Pittsburgh. I wouldn't want to piss him off, though, man. He no. just—he looks like he can handle himself. Yeah, he definitely can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Packers could not handle themselves on the road. The Saints just uh, dismantled destroyed them. them. Um, and for the first the first half of that game was like tit for tat, you score, I score, you score, we match, you know, back and forth. And then the Saints just, you know, the levee broke or something. <laughs> Too much working out with Hans and Franz, man. Too, too soon. <laughs> the Redskins and the Cowboys in no, overtime. I would just say, frickin', okay, was it Demarcus Demarco Demarco Murray? Demarco Murray, outstanding running back, can't can't take care of the ball. He didn't fumble like this at Oklahoma, did he? They said he had an issue, but not nothing like this. And Des Bryant, he scored a touchdown that was that should be a highlight reel for for decades, man. Okay, Where he, he 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 stretched. They had. I mean, he caught the ball, ran downfield. Got hit, got tackled, got tied up, and he stretched and got the ball across the goal line before his knee hit. It was just beast mode. And mm-hmm. uh, you know what? I tell you what, Des Bryant. Yeah, I love the guy, but he should not be wearing eighty-eight. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so Michael Urban. Uh, it was, you know, he, he you know, whatever. But maybe they worked something out. Maybe they did because that happens. That yeah. does happen. But uh, amazing. The guy was amazing. But because I don't wasn't enough. No, it was not. And the Cowboys, and like we talked about, I, I think that bringing Romo back into that game was a mistake. Um, it didn't hurt him that badly in the short term because they still had overtime to fall back on. But uh, if you can run the ball effectively between the 20s but cannot cannot put the ball in the end zone. The red zone, man. Yeah. And... When you know, the other team has Alfred Morris, who doesn't always run the ball effectively between the twenties, but you get him job. inside the twenty. He did a good job. <laughs> a good job. Um, Colt McCoy getting his first 
victory and a start in three plus years. What's really surprising about this is, okay, he sat out all he sat out all last year. Yeah, I don't think he was on the roster. Yeah, I, 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 it doesn't seem like he's been in the league three years. Man. It just doesn't seem. I mean, I remember him. I remember watching him play mm-hmm. Texas, right? Mm-hmm. I remember watching him play. His his brother plays. His Some, brother last year he played was playing at Texas. I don't. Th- I think he's gone now. Yeah. For, but Colt, uh, I remember him watching him play in a couple of bowl games and stuff. The guy was an outstanding ball player. But it just doesn't seem like it's been three years since he's been drafted. But uh, he looked good. He looked good. Was that Monday night? Yeah, yeah. that was the Monday he night. He looked good Monday night. Man. He looked comfortable. Mm-hmm. He didn't look like he was nervous at all. He looked like this This is what I do. This is my, And it's great to see you know, the little shots of his dad. And, his mm-hmm. and, stuff like that. And, and, you know, Monday night was a family affair because you got John Gruden calling the game and For Jay, Gruden. Jay Gruden on the sideline. I like how he always said, Jay Gruden, Jay Gruden, just say my brother. <laughs> well, and, and he did at one point. And because he was talking about Spider 2 wide banana, which is one of the play, that's how that was the terminology uh-huh. used for this play where you end up having a back out in the flat that you swing out to. My brother calling Spider 2 wide banana, and Ashley wasn't really paying attention to the game. And she looks and goes, what did he just say? <laughs> no, the, the guy who was in the in the booth calling the game, his brother, his actual brother, is the, the head, head coach. coach. <laughs> you know what I like about what I like about John Gruden is he he's his knowledge of the game. Because mm-hmm. at one point Dallas got up there, it was on their own offense, and he said they get they they lined up, and he said something like, "Oh, this they're they're, they sh- they're going to get the ball." To, to so-and-so off-tackle left side. And that's exactly what they did. And throughout the game, he would say stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, unless he's reading signs, the guy's knowledge, you know, I'm a big Chucky fan anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved him when he was at the Raiders. I, if, if the Raiders had to lose a Super Bowl to somebody, it was, it was glad it was him. <laughs> uh, I've always liked him. And, and, but his knowledge of the game, I used to watch that show where he, uh, he rated the quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, the guy's an amazing uh, football mind, man. And my, he's, he's the modern-day John Madden, man. <laughs> oh, man. Before we go to that one, I've got some fun to talk about there. Um, you know, and the NFL, in their partnership with these networks, tells the commentators, especially the guys who are former players and coaches, we know you know things that are, you know, inside information in terms of schematic like calls on the field and things like that you know Peyton Manning and Omaha Omaha thing has become a big big hilarious joke you know but well, there's a lot of times did he call somebody called Black Elvis the other day was that was that um, I heard the, I heard the Elvis part yeah. in one of these but I don't know if somebody called Black Elvis that. Black Elvis that's what it sounded like Black Elvis <laughs> Black Elvis <laughs> They have actually asked, like, you know, even Chris Collinsworth, who probably is. I like Chris Collinsworth. He's grown on me. Probably because now he's talking next to Al Michaels. See, I liked him as a player. Uh So I I, I gave him a little... Like a real scrappy gym rat kind of guy. He's one of those guys that you go, why why the fuck is he open? How did he get the... You know, he never looked fast. He never looked, you know... He's like like Wes Walker. Uh These guys are, like, always open, except for... 
Collinsworth would be open way downfield. Not just, you know, yeah, yeah, just not the way downfield. Exactly. You're like, how did he get open? Who's not watching this guy? And then, you know, he would just, he, he was like money, man. He was money. I, I love I loved the guy. But, you know, they've asked these guys, hey, we know you know things, and share your knowledge with the with the audience in a way that doesn't give everything away. Yeah. And, and Gruden, I think, excels at, Really opening the game up for people, but at the same time, you know, doing it in a way that's generic. Right. You know, these are things you should know if you want to watch football, but not like, oh, this is how the Giants call their... Right. You know, this and that, you know, because that's the stuff they've told them, like team-specific stuff you, you shouldn't talk about. Um, but Gruden, he's part of the West Coast tree, you know, and that's what really the whole NFL has gone to at this point, so he's... He's down near the trunk of it at this point. You know, he knows things closer to the source than most of the coaches that are on the field at this point. So right. He can tell us things in broad terms that it's like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, oh, but I was watching some Frank Caliendo uh, uh, clips. I was on a TV show with Frank back in the day. And, you yeah. know, because I, I was bored at work last week. And watching some hilarious... Frank Caliendo, John Madden. He does a great John Madden, man. He does a really good Gruden, too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I had the, uh, I'll, I'll just, uh, you probably know, I had the pleasure of being on a probably about uh, five or six episodes of Mad TV back in the day. Uh-huh. Uh, Frank Caliendo on set, with, I was on set with Frank Caliendo, as well as, uh, what's that, uh-oh, hot dog, what's that guy? <laughs> I can't remember his name, but anyway, uh, the, the, the Asian guy in there, and some of those guys, there's, so, you know, it was a fun. It was a fun gig, and I enjoyed it. Uh, the guys, the guys' in, impersonations are bar none some of the best ever, man. And uh, I, I, I think I've seen him do Gruden on TV. I've seen him do uh, Madden right in front of me. Just amazing. <laughs> uh, the guy's just amazing. He's just a funny guy, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just the voice talent that he has. It's the mannerisms yeah, too, the, man. Yeah. And, and how he can just riff stuff on the spot. You know, like, wow. What he does, Madden, doing the uh, the, the chalkboard the telestrator thing, the tel- thing. Telestrator yeah. thing. There's nothing like it, man. <laughs> the mass of just yellow lines. Boom! <laughs> Boom! Exactly. <laughs> Where were you watching that at? I was watching it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Stuff on good the stuff, computer man. at work, good man. Stuff. Yeah, I was hanging out with one of my buddies, and he's like, dude, let's not work right now. Like, okay. You were on a break. Yeah, we were on. I was like Ross and Rachel, man. I was on a break. <laughs> oh, good time. We talked about the college football playoff enough already. None of that stuff matters for at least, you know. Yeah, it's. I don't even know why the the, the, the the committee put out their own top four. It, it's just nonsense. It's just, it's just too much stuff going on there each week. I think those guys should just kind of lay back and, uh, you know, just throw their stuff out there when, it, the, you know, the season's over, whatever. Mm-hmm. So these are these are the playoff teams, you know. I just People are going to be upset no matter when they say it. Yeah. So you might as well just save it to the bitter end. What? Time will tell. I'm not on the committee, so they don't, they weren't listening to me. <laughs> no, no, they weren't listening to me. <laughs> I offered to take Archie Manning's spot when he uh, had to step down for medical reasons. Was Archie on the committee? Archie was. Well, he, yeah, and 
last week or the week before, he's got some kind of heart complication or something going on. Where watching those boys. He said he's got his play. He's got to uh, focus on his health and family and that stuff. Speaking so. Of that. What did, what did Eli do this week? Did they play? They were on a bye week? Uh, I think the Giants might have had the week off. They were on a bye week. I don't remember them playing. The For their own good, they probably should have taken where, the where, where are they at in the, in the, in the standings? Man? Let's they, take a look at the standings here for the old Niffle because I know that... Well, I know where the Raiders are. The Giants, they the top stand... Of, they're, uh, top of the, they're the top of the East? They are... Uh, on the middle of the bottom or the bottom of the middle. Like, I don't know. I thought they had some wins behind them. The Giants right? have a couple wins, but they've got a couple really bad losses, too. Remember, they started slow. They, they stumbled out of the gate. So the Giants are 3-4. and four. Um, Yeah. Dallas on top there, 6-2. and two, And Philadelphia at 5-2. and two. Isn't that amazing, man? That's my kid's team, man. My, my boy's a... Somebody was asking me, the day, how did you become a Yankee fan? You never even lived in, well, my kid's a freaking Eagles fan. We, <laughs> <laughs> we got no roots in, in Philly, man. At least, well, yeah, he's been there, but. I, I've been to Philly. So has he. It was I, like a school trip, man. I, I've never been. I, not in any hurry to go back. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> Dr. J seemed to like it. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of pretty and cool and old and fun things there. A lot of there's a bell, there's a big giant bell and a crack in it there, isn't there? Yeah, and it's wrapped in bulletproof glass. So. <laughs> yeah. I will say Independence Hall, cool. The Liberty Bell, which is across the street, in like like I said, a bunch of bulletproof glass, not that cool. Um, but again, for Independence Hall, you might as well just go to Knott's Berry Farm too. Well, that's true. It's, I mean, <laughs> I've it, been there. It's, it's I've been the to that. Same. I've been to that Independence Hall. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much the same, except there's not a marine or two standing out front guarding. Them. And I could be home in a half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Dallas at the top of that. Dallas thing. is on top in the NFC East. Philly and then New York, then Washington. Wow. And then you know, in the in the north, you know, the old black and blue. Look at that, man. Detroit, yeah. The head of Green Bay. The man. Lions up on top in in the NFC North. The Panthers and the Saints both tied at three and, three and four. four. How do you lead? A, how do you lead a division at three and four? Uh, it's a bad. <laughs> it's it's just a bad division. South, man. Um, That's a horrible division. You know, I don't. The know. Falcons were supposed to be good this year. Look at them, man. Uh, Two and six. They're just they're lost. Um, and you know, I think that that organization has done a lot of good things over the last few years. I think that Mike Smith. That's his name, generic white guy. He's a, he's a good coach. Uh, Matty Ryan, Matty Ice, he's a, he's a good quarterback. Um, but they've made some mistakes you know, with the running back position. I think that the Michael Turner acquisition backfired on him. Yeah. Uh, Jack Quiz, he just really... He's a little bitty, he's a little yeah, bitty guy. He's he, a little... He, his ceiling was lower, <laughs> no pun intended, than they were hoping. Um... What about his, he's got a not twin a brother, right? He's got a twin brother. Where's his brother at? James, I don't know what James is doing now, but I don't think he's in the NFL at this point. Um, and then Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. One and six. Couldn't they're, buy a win at home against the freaking Vikings. You know, I think this is a pre-Tebow. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, yeah, I, I'm positive it was because this is back in like the 70s or something, right? When they first... They were Their 0-16 year? Yeah, and they actually, 
it might be true. I, I, I want to say it was a rumor, but it might be true. They actually had a chance to score, which would have made them win a game or to lose and give them the first pick of the draft. Mm. And apparently, they tanked it. They tanked it. <laughs> Yes, I have to ask AD about it because that's about the years he was uh, he was around and he was around there. I think he played for him for a while. See, I do have to give the Colts credit. The year that Peyton Manning was out, they at least made it look like they weren't trying to lose. <laughs> they even managed to win two of them and still get the top pick. Um, NFC West. The NFC West. Look at that, man. Arizona, Look at that. Carson Palmer Arizona is and the one. class of the division right now. San Francisco and Seattle still both kind of struggling to figure out who they are this season. Yeah, they're, having, they're both uh, having a tough time. Neither team has really asserted themselves in their strengths the way they have in the past. They Seattle, played for, they played. Seattle being a defensive squad with a, you know an offense that could they could do a lot of things with Russell Wilson at quarterback. The, the 49ers really taking the lead offensively and kind of the defense bringing up the rear a little bit. But uh, this year, both of them looking confused on offense and... Really confused on offense. Yeah. And sometimes confused on defense, too. Yeah. So, um, both of those guys still ran it at 4-3. and three. Neither of them out of the hunt in any way yet. Uh, and then the Lambs. Yeah, they, they, they suck all they suck. And, and the Rams... One of the three teams to beat the Seahawks this season. Go figure. Is it, and uh, isn't isn't who's the Rams quarterback? Steph, Stafford. The Rams quarterback was Bradford, but he's hurt Bradford, again. He's out for the season. Yeah, right? and yeah, they've right. got a kid named something Davis. <laughs> something Davis playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. I and I feel fine saying something Davis because <laughs> even the security guards at the stadium. <laughs> Didn't recognize him, and they were like, I'm sorry, sir, we need to see some ID. Yeah. Uh, so when your own home stadium security guard is stopping you at the door, and you're the fucking starting quarterback, I don't have to feel bad not knowing what your first name is, Mr. Something Absolutely Davis. Absolutely right, man. I know that he beat uh, the Seahawks, and I know that they got their asses handed to him by the chefs. So. You're absolutely right, bro. Uh, you get jacked up and frisked and proned out and dude, I, strip searched. Can you just pull out your smartphone and Google me real quick? <laughs> no, sir, you got to stand over there. <laughs> Drop your shorts, bend over, grab your ass. It's a national security threat. <laughs> We're at NFL Stadium. I don't know when the last time you've been in an NFL game was, but <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a long while. Dude, it is. It is. Almost like airport security. I have a 17-year-old kid. I think last time I was in an NFL game, he was probably about eight. Maybe So post-9-11 seven. at least. Barely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's like going through fucking airport security, man. No shit. Metal detectors and frisking and the holster bank. No I have no time for that shit. No. <laughs> you got to get there two hours early. It's like a flight, man. <laughs> So that kind of fucks up your tailgating whole yeah. opportunities right there. Right? Thankfully, <laughs> you know, and granted, I've never been held off of a flight because of my level of alcohol consumption, but I know that is technically... Because you with, wear it well, man. You wear yeah, it well. Yeah. But, I, but I know that that's one of the things they say. Like, if you're too drunk, you cannot get on a flight. I've heard that. I've heard that rumor. Um, 
I've tested that rumor. I have. <laughs> and I've passed every time. Yes, I am. I'm a straight-A student there. Right? Oh, thank goodness for this wooden table here in the studio. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a big pain now, man. Ever since they let the Patriots win the Super Bowl in 2001. <laughs> real pain to get into an NFL game. Absolutely. And, and ask. And on and, Well, you know, not only NFL games, ask Liddell White about uh, NCAA games. <laughs> Liddell will tell you it's kind of tough to stay on the field. Do you man. remember when Liddell, like, kind of bombed at first in the NFL and. Came back one one year after an off season and had lost like thirty pounds. Yeah, he looked good. He's like, yeah, you know, all I did was stop drinking tequila. <laughs> you, is that what he said? That was what he said. Yeah. Oh, it's like, man. how much fucking tequila were you drinking? <laughs> if you lost thirty pounds, just for not, stop drinking, from just yeah. not drinking yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, Granted, I imagine there was an increase in activity as a result of that process yeah, too. You can wake up and you can yeah. wake up and do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But, Get that meditation. But that in. one just really got me thinking, like, holy crap. What is my drinking doing to my body? But, <laughs> and then I thought, nah, forget it. I'm fine. Forget it. <laughs> I'm not a professional athlete. You don't have a million dollar yeah. contract. What do you give a rat's ass? Yeah. <laughs> and so then I, when this whole thing happened where Lindale White got escorted out of the Coliseum, I thought to myself, I said, self. Patron. Lindell found the tequila. He sure did. Oh, God. Let's move to the AFC Conference. We got New England at the top, man, at the East, right? Yeah, and, you know, the Bills and the Dolphins. Look at six and two. When they were 0 and, what, 0 and 2, was it? They were, they were 0 and... No, they were... They, they were 0 and 1. 1 and... They were like they, 1, they 1 lost to Buffalo to start. They also lost they to lost, Miami, right? Yeah, and they lost to Miami. And everybody said that... Tom Brady oh, is done. dead. Yeah. He's done. And Brady said, you play until you suck. <laughs> you play until you suck. And That's then, what he said, yeah. And then he showed everyone that he doesn't suck. <laughs> he does not suck. You know, he sucks <laughs> on the Jets, who are 1-7 in last in the division. But, you know, that division, as much as the, the Patriots have stepped up and kind of established dominance in the first half here, um, I wouldn't write off the Bills or the Dolphins yet. Well, look, they're both, they, they both on there. They're all like... like Jets have lost seven in a row. You got New England's won four in a row, which means they were they were what, two and two at one time. Yeah. But Buffalo's won the last two. Miami's won the last two. So that division looks like those guys are out there. They're to play. Yeah, there's yeah. some there's some teams there that can play some football. Yeah. So North, you got Cincinnati. They're four and two. Baltimore five and three. Pittsburgh five and three. Cleveland four and three. We're gonna are we gonna see are we gonna see some uh, Johnny football play in this this season or not, man? Uh I don't think so. Not not, not not if they keep winning, right? Yeah, I, I don't think there's no they... need for him. But uh, you know, this goes back to what I said. I think I think a guy like him. I think we've said this before. I think guys should, should carry the clipboard for a couple of years, a couple of seasons. Yeah, and I think that I I don't want this to sound like a diatribe against the kid or some sort of personal vendetta against him but I think that he's a guy who needs some time to mature and season a little bit you know and what and that... most of them do anyway it's not a personal knock against him it's like we've we've seen a handful of guys over the last few years that have been able to go in and handle it but that is not the norm it's not the norm but you can look at guys look at guys like Steve Young Steve Young was the starting quarterback for the LA Express which was a decent USFL team mm-hmm. and they folded. He went to San Francisco, 
and he carried the clipboard behind Joe Montana for a couple of years, yeah. and he was a much better quarterback by the time he took the starting, starting job over mm-hmm. in the 49ers than when he was even a great quarterback. You know, you know what I'm saying? I think I think there's something to be said. I think uh, I, I, something I think, was it Drew Brees? Somebody like Drew Brees, Mayman Drew Brees, somebody along the, in that same caliber uh, of quarterback, I saw recently talk about how he, you know, was a backup for somebody for a couple of years, uh, you know, and he, he learned to see, watched, learned, and and, uh, and attributed that to the success he's having today. You know, I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, um, we've think... seen enough superstar athletes come out of college that just didn't make it in, it, in pro. Yeah. And category. you know, the the NFL. Generally speaking, is proof that, especially at the quarterback position, this is not a short-term thing. I no, mean, it's the guys that do it well. It takes time to do it well, and then they can be way past their physical prime and really just be hitting their stride in how, in terms of how you play the position. Brett Favre and John Elway. Yeah. You know, granted, John Elway. When you, I was. Too young to remember the John Elway coming out of Stanford until I, you know, I watched the Thirty for Thirty and I was like, "Wow, that guy was a fucking prick." <laughs> this guy was an immature, arrogant asshole. Well, yeah, you, you, when you play when you play collegiate at the collegiate level for your dad, mm-hmm. you you talk about you talk about kids who have shit handed to them and are, not, and are spoiled as athletes. Period. You don't think that when you're playing for your dad that there's some thing you get away with some shit that mm-hmm. most guys aren't getting away with, you know the guy he's super talented. We we, yeah. we established that Hall of Fame or whatever, but you know there's you're right. I mean yeah, he well, he was I screw that I'm not going there. I'll, I'll play baseball instead or I'll sit out instead. Mm-hmm. You know you know there's some entitlement. There's a little self entitlement there that guys who are hungry don't have, mm-hmm. right? And he had to. Kind of find his hunger a little bit, yeah. you know, and it took him, took him, fifteen years yeah. to get there. Well, that and goes I, back to the, the 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 football life I watched mm-hmm. with uh, Terrell Davis, which I'm have to apologize for saying. Sorry, both of those guys will forgive <laughs> yeah. you because they're both badasses. They're both they, badasses. If you confuse one with the yeah. other, they both take it as a compliment. Terrell Davis out of San Diego, uh, you know, rough, rough. He, he lived in the rough, rough part of town growing up. You know, played for Cal State Long Beach football. That's played right. football for Cal State Long Beach. Go 49ers. Went to Georgia. Didn't see a whole lot of playing time at Georgia. Uh, I think he was like a six-round draft pick uh, by the by the Broncos. Here's a guy who most people didn't. He, he actually told his mom. His mom was all excited when he got drafted. He says, I'm practice fodder, Mom. That's all I am. That's all I'm going to be. And, you know, the guy had a phenomenal career, although short, albeit short, they say, you know, his numbers, his numbers, the amount of years he played, are better than guys that are in the Hall of Fame, those same amount of years in the same period of time. Not like, oh, this guy played 10 years, you know, years four through, whatever. no, the first X number of years that he, you know, played, and their same first X number of years. He's got better numbers than guys that are in the Hall of Fame. Barry Sanders and, you know, guys like that. I mean, the guy, you know, he, he you know, he got hurt and he had to leave the game. But, uh, 
he still has a shot at the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. And he should. He's got two, like, two rings and two a rings. 2000 and, season. And as one coach said, he says, you know, people talk about systems. Everybody, he, as he, uh, he says, everybody has a system. He says, you know, we had a system. We won Super Bowls. We don't win no Super Bowls without Terrell Davis. Yeah. And, and Elway was there longer than that. So as much as we talk about Elway, Elway doesn't win no Super Bowls without Terrell Davis. Just go watch the video of Kobe getting elbowed in the face by <laughs> Dwight Howard and the ensuing reactions. Um, I know that there are some not Kobe fans here, and that's okay. I just I had someone at work tell me today that Kobe Bryant is the reason that the Lakers are not going to do anything this year, and I think that Jim Buss is you know, probably more like the answer to that yeah, question. Yeah. You know what? Um, but. The Lakers uh, off to a rough start, 0-2 in the regular season, two double-digit losses. <laughs> off to a rough start. First-round draft pick broke his leg out for the season. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that? Uh, I I felt sorry for him. That, yeah, I mean, how I, could I, you not? Yeah. I mean, man. I don't care what team that guy's playing no, for. No, man, that's that's horrendous. Uh, uh, you know what? Kobe's on the backside of his career. We all know that. But uh, he's a gamer. He's always been a gamer. He's not a team player. That's my problem with him. Um, but he's not the reason they're losing. He's definitely not the reason they're losing. Uh, if, if there's anybody on that team who will give everything they have, he's the guy. But that's not the reason they're losing. Yeah. Although, you know, seeing Dwight giving the old... <laughs> it's kind of, you know, whatever. <laughs> what do you got, bro? Uh... Yeah, <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> there you have it. Another edition of T-Bow. Time out. We want to thank Lisa Dwoskin for joining us tonight. Uh, check out her book, Metamorphosize. You can go to LisaDwoskin.com. Uh, you can go to the Swoops World homepage. Click on the, the tab there where uh, you see that she's a guest on the show. There's a link to her website there. It'll take you to everything you need to know about Lisa. Uh, her Facebook page, her Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. Everything you want to know there, you can go there. Next week on Swoops World, J.D. Nash and Bob Case are our guests, as well as Anthony Davis. T-Bone's time out. And we may or may not be in the new studio. <laughs> we'll find out shortly. Anything dot, else? Dot, dot. <laughs> any, uh, any last minute words of wisdom, brother? Uh, no, man. I, uh, I have no wisdom to impart. I have no wisdom to impart tonight? No. All right. Well, dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Those of you listening in all the different ways to listen to Swoops World, as well as uh, SwoopsWorld.com. And uh, shout out to those who are listening on TalkStream Live. Good night, all. Peace. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. 